raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. We started playing with some heart and intensity. Those first, oh, that first quarter and a half, they punked us. And we were down 20. It take a real one to talk when you're down 20. And I was able to get my guys going, and then they started doing what they do, and I can do what I do. What got you going? You were going down them in that second quarter. What got you to that level? Uh, I Good hard foul, and CJ started talking. You know, you don't start talking, play, play the game, and just enjoy what y'all were doing. They were playing a good game, and he started talking, and that's my type of game. I like that. That's, that's what I do. I grew up in Saginaw, Michigan. That's how we play. And so once they wanted to go there, I enjoyed that. He's, he's got to learn about the responsibility of being a starter, guarding a top player, and carrying a scoring load, and what it means to do both. You know, the first... 65 games of the season weren't weren't like that. You know, he was coming off the bench playing against a lot of second unit guys, and this is different. And this is a great opportunity for him. And tonight, tonight he did he did some good things. And there's going to be some things that we need to help, going to need to help him correct. But the aggression is there, and you know, um, a lot of his reads were much better. And so we got to build on the good things and correct correct the others really still going through that process right now uh watching the tape you know get a chance to talk to these guys uh and then we go from there but again you know if there's a perfect method to the quarterback and picking the right one everyone would have really good <laughs> quarterback so uh there's not a perfect method for it uh, like i said if everyone had the answer to that uh it'd be it'd be nice so but you got to do your due diligence on those guys uh and, and try to find the best one. Oh, what's going on everybody brian no jimmy cook with you here today 93.5 n 107.5 the fan i feel like uh, the beginning could be a pop quiz like who said this and what were they talking about you know but we had draymond green of the warriors that was on tnt he was talking about their win last night um against the pelicans pelicans <laughs> got you 120-109. <laughs> I watched the game, too, and had a brain freeze. I remember Zion coming off the bench when there was a little bit of beef over there. And I forget who was doing the game, but uh, the color commentator said, if Zion was walking toward me, I would run the other direction, something <laughs> like that. Uh, Rick Carlisle, he was talking about Ben Matherin as he matures over here. And then it was Shane Steichen on QB evaluations. How's everything going today, Jimmy Cook? I can't complain. Uh, a thrilling, sweated out, wildly disgusting NIT semifinal game between oh, North Texas green. and Wisconsin. Mean it's green, all, let's all, go. It's all the mean green getting it done. So, like that's it's kind of how the evening started for me, and it was it was it was pretty solid uh, from then on out. Um, yeah, I mean, I look, we're at a stage of the college basketball season where if one of your team is not in the final four of the big dance. You are looking for other action to watch between this lull of when's the Final Four going to start? Opening day is tomorrow. Where are you going to find your action? And last night for us, it was the NIT. You had a little Big Ten tie there in Wisconsin. I hated to bet against the Badgers. Um, I didn't watch all of that game. And the snippets that I did see before I jumped in, 
made me think I made the right choice it's because, choice. boy, was it disgusting basketball. It's close. It was disgusting, except if you had the mean green. Woo! You know, if you dabbled there. I, I, I went in-game money line on the mean green. There you go. Because I remembered your bet from yesterday, Jimmy Cook. Solid advice. They had momentum. I was like, they've got momentum, and they had Jimmy Cook's blessing. What else do I need here? You know, <laughs> That's a championship formula if I've ever heard one. Absolutely it is. Now, I've got some horrible news to start off the show here today, Jimmy. Awful news. Are you sitting down? Are you prepared? I am am sitting down. Okay, right before the show, I read something from The Athletic, okay? And it just says, Anthony Richardson at two? And it says, Nate Tice and Deontay Lee think so in their latest mock draft with the Florida quarterback and not Bryce Young becoming the Texans' new franchise cornerstone. This sets up beautifully for the Colts who get young at number four without having to trade anything. This is a nightmare scenario. What do you mean setting up beautiful? No, thank you. Okay, so a couple things there. First, Dane Brugler has yet to release his beast, to my knowledge. And he uh, and while there are a number of people at The Athletic, I, I enjoy all of their work when it comes to mock drafts. Mm-hmm. There are only a handful that I like really go to. Dane is one of them because his mocks are not like him consuming articles and kind of, you know, I'm sure that the people that are doing those mocks are, are making calls to some extent who they're talking to. I don't know. But Dane is talking with whether it's GMs or assistant GMs or scouts or front office insiders. And then based on everything he's hearing from them, formulating his mock, his is not a, this is like what he thinks should happen. It is, this is the way the wind appears to be blowing. So I don't know. He usually releases that like the first week of May or like the second week of May. So until that happens, I think you can, you know, not clutch the pearls for just a second and take a breath if you're in the uh, Brian No, Bryce Young is a Smurf. Again, his word's not mine camp. Wait a minute. Wait um, a minute. You said the second week of May? Sorry. You I misspoke. I, you, okay. I did say May. Sorry. Uh, first week of April, second week of April gotcha. uh, is usually when he drops his, his big beast, which is his overall Love the uh, beast. mock draft guy. It's awesome. It's a great read. We'll probably have Dane on the show at some point. Definitely well between Thick. now and the draft. Yeah, it's it's, it's, a, great, it's a great read. And if you're a draft junkie, uh, that is a top source that you should be reading before the NFL draft. He next does month. have Jimmy. He's got the NFL draft board out. He okay. doesn't have the mock, but he's had a couple of mock drafts. Not the beast, like right. you're saying, but his 1.0, uh, 2.0. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's got the draft board out. And this was interesting. I checked this out of the top 15 players. So he's got Will Anderson Jr., the edge from Alabama, number one. And then if you just look at the quarterbacks, because that's what we're really concerned about here in Indianapolis. Bryce Young, the Smurf, he's got number two. He's high on the Smurf. Whatever. Some people are, think Bryce Young's going to pan out. They don't, they don't worry about durability and remaining upright and things like, whatever, it's fine. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> number five, just with the quarterbacks in the top 15, C.J. Stroud. He's got C.J. Stroud ranked number five overall among all players. And then if you scroll down a little bit here, he's got Will the Thrill Levis, number 13, and he's got Anthony Richardson, number 14. So that's just Dane Brugler's draft board right there. Can you clarify two things for me? One, did he actually put the thrill in No, I added that. Okay, and and, and since you added that, uh, could you tell me of those four quarterbacks which one you liked the most? Because I couldn't really tell which one you were leading based on which QBs got nicknames and which ones didn't. I think he's leaning Tanner McKee out of Stanford. (laughs) (laughs) 
I haven't thought about you know, Bryce the Smurf Young. That fits. Yep, that's I haven't thought of a nickname for C.J. Stroud or Anthony Richardson. I think it would be Anthony Boomer Bust Richardson is probably the fairest thing I could that's, say. That's probably, yeah, that's probably, I don't disagree with you on that one. That's fair, sure. Yeah, sure. and Stroud, I, the thing for Stroud with me is regressing greatly in weapons around him. You know what I mean? Like going from Ohio State and having first-round talent left and right, and I call it Noah's Ark over there where they have two of everything, to go from that to presumably Carolina, that's a big difference in terms of what talent you're surrounded by and also how much more talent you're facing. Ohio State and their level of talent, more times than not, significantly outmanned their competition so now when the roles are reversed how does cj stroud compensate for that the first couple of years in the nfl that's my biggest question for him by far and that's the conversation point that we've been discussing over the last couple weeks with him right we've gotten away from it a bit because it appears at least based on everything the panthers have displayed publicly or maybe not keeping their cards close to the chest as they should. Oh, who am I kidding? They don't have to. They have the number one overall pick. They made the trade up for that pick with Chicago, as we all know. He's likely going to be well off the board before the Colts are making their selection. Young getting back into the conversation, I guess it makes me happy for two reasons. One, it means you and I get to butt heads for yeah. a couple more weeks, which is great because I look, I'll, I will tolerate the coin flip of, of Stroud and Young. If you want to tell me, well, Stroud had all these weapons, but he's got a bigger frame. He's the true atypical size quarterback. I think you got to go with Stroud. If someone tells me that, it's like, okay, I can buy that. That's fine. If Bryce Young is available and they take Will Levis, that would make me flip a table. I told you if it was Richardson or Levis, I wouldn't care. I would be hostile. I would be hostile. Hostile flipping tables? I'd be hostile. I'd be hostile. If they take the thrill over the Smurfs, why? 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 Because he was surrounded by better talent at Bama and had better college numbers? Why? No. So the main reason, and it's the same argument that I brought to you to the table with Stroud and Young debate. We're bringing Uh Levis back into the table now because obviously – Young is reported in these mocks to potentially be on the Colts doorstep should they have that opportunity at four. I go back to what Eddie and I stressed to you that you kind of agreed with a couple weeks ago, which is that whether he was injured or not, and it's clear that he was, there were times in the senior campaign of Will Levis where whether it was not feeling pressure, whether it was decision making, whether it was holding on to the ball too long, worry me at the next level. Now, a counterpoint to that, which is fair, Are the weapons as good as, and you kind of agreed with this, Ohio State and Alabama last year, there was a gap at wideout, right? It's not like Bryce Young is throwing to the same, right? Like definitely better than Kentucky, but not like the elaborate, that's a fair point to Stroud to say he had all these weapons. Young had Alabama weapons, so it's not like he was playing with a Walmart bin of wide receivers, but you know, (laughs) it wasn't like he was playing with an all-star tandem of weapons that Stroud had. Right. That, that, That airmark concerns me with Levis. Additionally, if he was hurt last year, I'm not saying that like that's a massive red flag and you can't recover from an injury, but now all of a sudden the whole weight of uh this guy's going to be healthy his whole career, now you have a question mark in that conversation. Is he really capable of being durable if he got hurt at Kentucky? I don't know. Like it's the same point about Young except for the fact that Levis is bigger and you're hoping that he can stay upright. Okay, so if uh, C.J. Stroud with premium weapons, sure, you know, you say Bryce Young had uh, not quite Walmart bin weapons, no, but it, uh, he had. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of a, of a good analogy. He had a 
like Ford lineup of weapons, like high end for like Camaros, but Stroud had Lamborghinis, right? Like, like, like. Okay, what did Levis Camaros, have? I'm sorry, did, Mustangs. I, I screwed that up. That's my fault. I apologize. That's okay. Did uh, Did Levis have like Dollar Tree weapons? I mean, you you you've painted it that way. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm just I, saying, I, like, <laughs> they didn't have one guy on offense on the first or second team in the SEC. And Not he had to guy. deal with an entirely new head coach. Like, I, there, there, there were, there were or a new coordinator. There, there were yep. new elements to his senior campaign where, and you and I have agreed on this point, you look back at his junior year, Kevin Bowen was on here, he's going to be on here again today. He stressed this last week to us. Did you hear KB? He's starting to turn. He is. He's starting to be pro-Levis he over is, here. Because a lot of people look at Levis's junior season and saw, again, you're always going to use comps, but... Matthew Stafford like upside, and uh-huh. that's something I'd sign uh-huh. up for. Like I'm uh-huh. not going to sit here and tell oh, you. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I you'd sign up that. for it to no. the tune of flipping tables. I would if they I, took the I, thrill over the Smurf. If, what is that? So if so he's which that, is it, Jimmy if Cook, he's huh? that, if he's that, like oh. I'm willing to admit I was wrong. If he's that, okay. But I'm going off of the most recent body of work, which again should that be the only thing you look at? Uh-huh. No, no. But I have not <laughs> seen over the course of Bryce Young's career whether it was just the talent he had around him or the talent he possesses, oh, I have never seen that type of large-scale hiccup over the entire season. Well, let me just say this about Bryce Young. It clearly was not just the talent around him. Bryce Young was a special college player. I take nothing away from him as far as that goes. But there are a lot of people that think it just transitions seamlessly into the NFL, and it just doesn't. It doesn't. When he has that smallish frame, and again, he went to the same university as Tua. Tua Tungavailoa has been a walking medicine cabinet. That doesn't mean that Bryce Young automatically will be, but when he has the smallish frame and he went to the same school as Tua, I can't help but consider it. So, yeah, no, don't get me wrong. I would not say it's more of a question with Stroud, with the talent he was surrounded by, in my mind, than it is Bryce Young. But, uh, no, I take nothing away from what he did in college. He was a special player. And for me... And you and I discussed this when it was a massive talking point before the Panthers made that trade, and we were discussing Shroud versus Young, and you mentioned the two injuries, and that's fair, but I feel like, and you're a Dolphins guy, I am a Chiefs guy, but we cover the Colts, and we follow the Colts closely, so like we have a perspective of there's not really a biased fan aspect within yeah. our Colts takes. So you're like, saying we can make sense. Is that I, what you're I mean, saying? No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not saying that we're the only oh, okay. people that can make sense, but I'm saying right. our, our perspective is, is, is different than, you know, if you are on, I don't know, if, if, you're, if you're reading a Colts site or if you're looking yeah. at Colts information. You're saying we don't wear Colts underwear to bed. Uh, correct. And to be right. clear, I want to clarify this for a number of different reasons. Uh, I'm not saying anybody in this building does that. I'm not saying that any of our co-hosts uh, uh, like Kevin and Query and like JMV do that. I'm just saying in this particular instance, I preface this point to say, mm. you know the Dolphins better than anybody because they're your team. Tua's massive issue uh. the last three years have been shots to the head correct or yes. contact with the ground and I'm not saying that can't happen with young and I'm not saying that maybe it's more increased chance to happen because he's smaller but yeah you see players all like look at 
I don't want to say it's bad luck, but like look at soccer. Like you see concussions all the time with certain guys, and then another guy does the same thing. Sure, they don't have a concussion. No, history. no, like I don't think it's a concussion thing with Bryce Young. But that's I just what think it's, it's been a frame thing. That's why I yeah. feel like it's not. Well, it's like, not fair to point to. No, to, no, 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 no. I hear what you're saying, and I, let me let me Australian Shepherd you. Okay, here, I appreciate here that. To the please truth guide over me. Here. Guide me to the light, please, <laughs> please. Uh, it's been. First and foremost, the head injuries with Tua, but that's not all it's been. You know, that's what gets the attention because rightfully so, it's the most concerning Terrific. thing. Yeah, but yeah, yeah it's he's had his hip injury in college, right? Like he's sure. had ankle injuries and it's this and it's that. It's not just head issues. Uh, think about Lamar Jackson. We'll spend time talking about Lamar here today. Lamar Jackson is a thicker quarterback. He is strong, solid, right? Like thick. And he's been banged up a lot. It's not just head injuries with Lamar Jackson either. So if Lamar's getting banged up like that, and not everything is him trying to bowl over a strong safety or a middle linebacker. You know, I know he takes more chances running the ball. But if you look at his injuries, the injury last year against Denver, where he's just trying to get out of the pocket, that's what Bryce Young's going to do in the NFL. Like, if Lamar's going down like that, I can't help but consider that if I'm thinking about drafting the Smurf Bryce Young. If you're looking at and I'm genuinely asking you this. If you're looking at, though, the special aspect of what he did in college, I know it's hard to translate, but just the praise that he gets from scouts, the way he sees the field, mm-hmm, the way he's mm-hmm. able to. And I know you don't like this phrase because it's probably easier to do in Alabama than it is in Kentucky. I don't deny that. Uh-huh. But when you hear a scout say, look at this route tree, this receiver ran, look at this ball placement that Young had to kind of throw him open to an expect between two defenders. I know that's harder to do in the NFL than it is in college. But when you see all these great things he does on tape, his small frame, which, again, I'm not saying isn't a fair criticism, right. does that not get outweighed a little bit by the type of vision decision-making that he showed over his tenure at Alabama? No. and I'll, To I'll you, it doesn't? You, no, it doesn't. Okay. I'll, okay. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because of Tua. And, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Tua went to Alabama. He's been hurt. Bryce goes to Alabama. He's going to get hurt. Like It's not a for sure thing. But it's it's trending in that direction because, again, of the, the frame. Where You're right. He, he processes very quickly. Bryce Young does. The way he's able to dissect defenses, that's all appealing. All very appealing. But it sounds a lot like Tua. Tua's able to do those things. Tua's able to throw with anticipation, read a defense well. The one problem he has, above all else, is he can't stay upright for 17 games a season. And that's what wrecked the Dolphins' season last year. So take it from me. I'm watching the Dolphins every game very closely. My team since I was a young lad. I don't know how or why. I'm from South Bend, Indiana. It's been the Dolphins for me. it, It doesn't make any sense, I admit. But that's my squad, and I'm telling you, all the good people in Indianapolis who root for the Colts and might wear Colts underwear to bed. I'm telling you, you do not want to be in a situation when your quarterback is not a 17 guy. You just can't. You can anticipate going into the year, he's probably going to miss four or five games. That is not where you want to be. I promise you. Well, here's my, my issue, because I would argue the other side of the coin is that the other spot you don't want to be is ignoring, because I tried to do this last week or two weeks ago, and you, you know, I... Probably didn't frame it right, so I'm going to take it a different direction. I'm not going to bring Young to the table. I'm just going to look at Levis like you did at Young. You mentioned that you've seen the injury history that happened with Tua. He's got even a smaller frame than Tua in terms of his measurables right now. You don't want that. You don't want that risk. On the flip side, if you take Levis, 
regardless of what any other quarterback does in this draft, just if you take Levis at four mm-hmm. and the struggles are real and he's a panic ball and he's going into a cocoon because uh-huh. he can't read pressure from behind, that is equally as frustrating <laughs> to me. I hear you. Hey, man, I hear you on that. That's And this is all we're trying to project what they will be in the NFL. That's the tricky thing. No one knows right, for sure. Right. I don't know. You don't know. NFL GMs that make their living don't know. We're just projecting where these things might land. But yeah, you're right. I totally hear you. If that holds true, if, if it's either or, right? Okay, you get... Bryce Young, and let's we're projecting, we don't know, but let's just say for the sake of argument, Bryce Young, he does similar things in the NFL. He's able to process quickly, read defenses. He's a difference maker, but he's banged up a lot. Versus, will the thrill Levis, let's suspend reality for a second here and just say that he doesn't read backside pressure very well in the NFL. Like you said, Jimmy, he goes into a cocoon and he just gets swallowed up by pressure and all that. Yeah, if he's healthy for 17 games while dealing with that, who cares? Who cares? Like, I agree with you. I would rather have the fast-processing quarterback, even if he's banged up for a handful of games each year, compared to the guy who just can't play even if he is upright. But we just don't know if that's the way it's going to play out for those two guys. So on the Will Levis front, Brian, I know you're a big Will Levis fan here. Uh Daniel Jeremiah, he talks to a lot of people. He's, you know garnered as one of the top guys in terms of you know developing mock drafts and I think Michael Lombardi had this too I can't remember the second person but there's been some recent slippage uh, with Levis in terms they're of scared. his draft they're scared Eddie. they're scared to <laughs> they 17 don't want, they don't want to get it wrong you know what I, mean? I know it's a little risky over it's trendy to be anti-Levis and all you know if I say Levis is going to be really good and he's not I'm going to look like an idiot it's fear based Eddie Garrison fear I smell fear with these guys in their mock draft and now take this for what you will. Chad Forbes has been saying the last couple of hours that Will Levis has been bombing interviews because of his arrogance, entitlement. Oh, please tell me that's and true. Oh, he man, has tell me that's had true. endless excuses for poor performance of play, skipping the bowl game and the senior bowl, didn't complete a full combine workout, uh, and did not cite any injuries. Any he only truth did the to the jumps. rumor wow. that he said I didn't have as good of weapons as Bryce Young did, but you should draft me? Like, is that is that an excuse that he used up there? You know what I hear? That's- I hear <laughs> I hear Eddie smear campaign. That's what I, I hear smear campaign. I don't know what it is. If it's to prop up the other quarterbacks, that's what I hear. That is, if any of that's true, it's alarming. It does take me back to what Anthony Richardson said at the combine in Indianapolis, where he was like, "I can't catch the ball too." He literally just threw it out there like, yeah, you know, some of my guys were dropping passes. It might be true, but it's just not what you want to say. We're seeing that with Green Bay. Honestly, we're seeing the split, the divorce between Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. And take it from a guy who has been divorced. It sucks. And it is so tempting to say it was the other person's fault. Right? Like, that's what you're seeing in Green Bay. And with Rodgers, where they're both saying Gouda Kuntz, the GM, was like, we tried to reach Rodgers. He was unreachable. And Rodgers was like, I wish they would have had more, uh, you know, more communication with me. It's like they're both blaming each other. And what you're saying right here, Eddie, is maybe Will Levis is blaming the pieces around him. Maybe Anthony Richardson, he has blamed the pieces around him. And even though that's true, 
it just it never lands well, man. Never. Oh, no, it's, it's like t- being it's in terrible. a job interview and saying, yeah, everybody else had it wrong at my previous job. That future employer is just like red flag, baby. Yep. Red freaking flag. You should be propping yourself up and, and touting your accomplishments. That's fine versus trying to tear down your teammates or formal people in yep. any type of interview. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Whether that was Levis, whether it was, I mean, obviously Richardson did it. If the Levis stuff is true, you know, like that it. That's concerning for me also. But my larger thing with all of this is that when you look at what the Colts could have one way or the other and looking at our negatives, yes, I, I guess I it's a lesser of two evils, right? Like they both, if we go with my negative and your negative of Levis and Young, uh-huh. both mean the Colts failed with their pick, right? Like, there's no happiness. Either a Colts fan is like, man, this guy was Matthew Stafford his junior year of college, and here he is now. He's Matt Castle. This is not great. Versus Bryce Young, uh, that Brian No fella, he tried to tell us he's he's got a hip injury, and, and, he, and he's got back problems, and it's only week five. Like, both those are, are not great uh, results for the Colts administration right now. No, I love no, the no, utilization no. of fella. It doesn't get used enough. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Let's hope for much better Indeed. than that. Yeah, that'd be that'd be rough for the next handful of years before they went to another option. I just think this, it's so interesting with Eddie Garrison bringing up the smear campaign and what Levis may or may not have said and all of that. But, but really think about this. How tempting would it be if you're Will Levis and you're having to answer these questions of like, let's just say you're trying to take the high road. Let's not blame my teammates. Let's just make it about me. And you're in these interview settings with teams saying, hey, Will, uh, do you have a hard time like reading defenses? <laughs> you know what? I, like, everything's directed to, is this you or is it on the pieces around you? You know, do you have a hard time processing? Do you have a hard time feeling backside pressure? You get enough of those questions. It'd be really, really tempting and hard to completely refrain from, you know what? Seriously, my guys can't get open consistently. You know what I mean? Like, it's not easy to take the high road when you're asked question after question, which is an utter temptation to just say, yeah, my guys can't catch or get open. It's not easy to do that, but I think that's what you need to do. But when you look at, here's an example. You look at Kyler Murray. The dude just whines and cries on the field 24 7, 365. Yeah. That would be the fear in these owners and GMs and coaches that are meeting with Will Levis. If this is true, that he's first to deflect blame versus take responsibility, then it's just going to be a very, very bad marriage with whatever team just tries to take him to develop him into a team guy instead of a me guy. Yeah. Hey, man, I hear you. Listen, we got a lot to do today. A lot to do. Coming up next, we need to project the future with this player. It's not just about the here and now. We need to project the future. We'll do that right around the corner. I'm Brian No, alongside Jimmy Cook today, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 
I'm Brian No. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan today. Now, we'll get to uh, projecting the future for one Lamar Jackson, where he's going to play, how he's going to play in just a minute. But I can't help but comment. Eddie Garrison is with us today. <laughs> and Eddie, you caught a little bit of the show with Dane Fife and myself yesterday. We had a running theme of David Lee Roth versus Sammy Hagar. Uh, where do you weigh in on that whole discussion? Well, I'm assuming this topic stems from Friday, where I revealed that myself, my brother, and my sister were named after the Van Halen of Alex Van Halen, Michael, and myself, Eddie Van Halen. So then mm-hmm. you asked me, oh, are they Roth or Sammy Hagar? And I said, Hagar. So now I felt like that stemmed from everything. Uh, if I had to choose, I'm probably Team Hagar, but I'm not like <sighs> strong one way or the other. I like both. I don't you have You can any- be swayed? You, and- you tell me you can be swayed? I can be swayed okay. either way because, I mean, I wasn't old enough to really live through the transition uh, between the two. I'll, all I know them for is their music. I don't know them for what they do off of the concert, uh, off the, I don't even say the stage is what I meant to say there, but I don't know what they do outside of that, really. By the way, Eddie, so Eddie and Alex Van Halen, obviously brothers, Michael, what's the... The basis last name? Uh, that's why I didn't say the last name. Yeah, I have to look that up. But your parents, they didn't go. I don't know what time frame Anthony. we're talking about. Oh, it's Michael Anthony is the basis. Yep. Okay, so I'm just curious. What time frame are we talking about? Is David Lee Roth still the main singer? When, you know, when your brother came along and they said, let's go, Michael, let's go the bassist instead of the singer. Over- <laughs> that's a good question. I don't know. I'll have to get to the bottom of that one. Yeah, I would like to know that timeline. Maybe tomorrow we can uh, dive into that. Once yeah, you do. I'll ask him later. Yeah. Imagine if your parents are just like, oh, David Lee Roth was the worst. We couldn't name him after that freaking guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah. Now, I, I want to know. I, I, now, I, I don't know, know the if there's full connection to this here or not, but my brother's middle name is David. Okay. All right. So they go with a, a middle name with david lee roth i don't know if that if that's full true there or not i have to i have to fully look into that part of it i don't know if sammy was around i'm crossing my fingers he was and your parents are like he's not even worthy of a middle name was Uh, was. yeah he was and no one no one's middle name is sammy huh no good (laughs) 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 all right so as far as lamar jackson goes here uh jimmy cook here with us on the fan uh jimmy so i saw a tweet from 107 the fan 107.5 the fan, I should say, right before the show started. And it simply reads, so that's it, right? Open and shut case. Colts sign the veteran plus. Colts draft the rookie QB equals building towards championship contender. Or do the Colts have other ideas now? Right? And and it's... Tied to a, you know, little story that you can read on on the website. Are the Colts actually interested in Lamar Jackson? Um... Here's the thing. I don't want Lamar for numerous reasons. His numbers have gone down and his injuries have gone up. I don't want the guy. But the other thing I consider is this. And this isn't a huge thing, but it is a thing. Think about it like this. If the Colts signed Lamar to an offer sheet and the Ravens matched it, that's a storyline for the Colts rookie quarterback. Assuming the Colts do draft a rookie quarterback at that stage. That's just... Hey, it looks like this rookie was plan B. Like plan A was Lamar and yeah. I just don't love that. Like think about the Dolphins and Tua again. Think how long he's been having to go through that storyline of oh, the Dolphins were interested in Deshaun Watson. 
Oh, the Dolphins were interested in this guy. The Dolphins had their eye Tom on Brady's that guy. Tom Brady's coming to town, baby. Yeah, Tom yep. Brady. Yep. They're tampering with Tom on the yacht and yep. all of that. Like, do they really want you to? And he's handled that really, really well. But the Colts would be asking their rookie quarterback to handle some of those questions, coupled with, obviously, just the pressure in general of being a top-five pick and trying to be the face of a franchise, I just wouldn't want that added layer of flirting with Lamar, it doesn't work out, Ravens match it, and now you go with your plan B rookie quarterback. I don't like how that would land. Yeah, I don't either. And and, and shout out to the uh, incredibly handsome and, and very talented uh, uh, writer that constructed that blog yesterday uh, after this wow. show. Uh, just, Kevin just... Bowen? <laughs> He's on at 1 o'clock. Why don't you share those sentiments towards him? Uh, I, I, I will let him know that I view him equally as handsome as one Jimmy Cook that wrote that piece that uh, Brian is referring to. Uh, basically, in that little opinion piece or assessment of are the Colts really interested in Lamar? Or are they just kind of giving respect to him because they're a they're a classy organization? They view Lamar as a talented QB. They're not going to trash him publicly in the press like some have been like, ah, we we don't want him. No, they're going to present it as a fact. Yeah, we're going to look into it as much as they will of oh yeah, he's a good quarterback, but we don't need him or we don't not need him. We don't want him for two reasons. One. If the Colts were to make a move to bring Lamar Jackson to Indianapolis, they would have had to have had a conversation amongst themselves with one question poised. Over the life of this contract, from the moment he comes into West 56 to the day it ends, this contract, are we Super Bowl contenders throughout? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, which I think it is, you don't do this deal. The roster is not currently structured to win now, particularly on the offensive side. And if you're trying to add pieces, like people point to Kansas City, and there's two outliers there. One, Mahomes is Mahomes. He's of the upper echelon of only a handful of quarterbacks actively playing right now in the league, which, recency bias be damned, Lamar Jackson is not in that list. I'm sorry, he's not. Mm -hmm. Maybe he can get back there. He's not right now. With a player like Mahomes or like Burrow, you can afford to take on a heavy contract and yes, you have to be perfect in the draft and perfect in free agency, but he's going to be the mascara to clean up your like maybe shortcomings you have in a couple different areas of the roster and still carry you to Super Bowl contention. Lamar is proven in Baltimore because they are as bad or equal to where the Colts are right now on the offensive side of the ball. In my mind, he can carry you to the playoffs. That that might be it unless you're able to make upgrades across the roster on offense which the Colts would not be able to do as easily if they bring Lamar Jackson in here. Hey, amen. Amen to that. We're on the same page. How does it feel to be in the same foxhole here, Jay Cook? Does it feel weird? <laughs> it, it, it's, it's different, man. I'm going to be honest. I, I've, but it's true. It's true what you just laid out right there is it's not to say that Lamar is a dud, but Lamar ain't Mahomes. Mahomes is making up for deficiencies around him. Mahomes lost Tyreek Hill. And went on and led him to a Super Bowl. You know, and we talked about this yesterday for a second is look critically at what Mahomes has around him, who he's throwing to. Travis Kelsey is fantastic. Top of the line. He's right up there with George Kittle. You know, Mark Andrews is a heck of a tight end with the Ravens as well. But outside of Travis Kelsey, who Mahomes has to throw to, it's not a who's who list. It's just a collection of dudes. You know, it's Marquez Valdez-Scantling. It's Juju Smith-Schuster, who's not even there anymore. It's a guy like Sky Moore, who's young. It's McCole Hardman, who's not there anymore. It's it's Tavares Tony, uh, Kadarius Tony, who is a first-round talent, but he can't stay upright. Yep, he can't stay healthy. He's he's banged up all the time. Like 
and he still went freaking nuts again as if he still had Tyreek Hill. That is just a different class. And who else is Mahomes in the NFL? No one is. But Lamar Jackson is several notches below that. And if you're paying better money (laughs) to Lamar, expecting him to be Mahomes, that is faulty thinking right there. Like If there was an equivalent, like if, if... And I don't know if I view him as an equivalent, but from a numbers perspective, he's just as electric at times. If this was Josh Allen available right now, like a player that, again, does some similar stuff to Lamar. He's a mobile quarterback, but like his accuracy has continued to go up uh, since that was a big plague against him when he was uh, out of Wyoming. Like if, if he was available right now, I'd be all for it because I feel like he is able to carry you out of that. And also he doesn't have the injury bug surrounding him but it's not yeah and also like Miami I said this yesterday if I could plug Lamar into the Miami Dolphins yeah I would sign up to watch that every Sunday throughout the rest of the year and I would put them right up there with the Chiefs and the Bills as particularly what they did on the defensive end this offseason as a Super Bowl contender out of the AFC like I but 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 that's not out there they don't have the cap space to do it I don't believe and you look around the rest of the league you're looking for the main question that you posed to me where's he gonna go right I think it's either Baltimore or he sits out like I I don't know where else he fits well he has no market that's the other part of this the Colts are the only team that have gone on record saying I'm interested (laughs) we're at least gonna do our due diligence I think Atlanta has expressed interest too Arthur Blank is totally out they're worried about upsetting Desmond Ritter Mm. which I think is a bit you know that's a bit much, but hey, I, I but guess here's I get the it. Thing. If anything were to happen between Lamar and Indianapolis, it would come after the draft. It wouldn't come up before the draft. Because well, listen, the other thing is um, when you're thinking about where he could land, and Jimmy brings up an interesting point. If you're looking at the Dolphins, and hear me out, I know he's not going to end up in Miami for obvious reasons. They don't have the space to pay a guy who's not worth it. <laughs> but, but, but if he ended up in Miami, look at the weapons that he has to throw to. If he's able to throw to Tyreek Hill, he's able to throw to Jalen Waddle. Yeah, that's really interesting. But you look outside of, of that and the likely landing spots. I hear Tennessee a lot. How is Lamar upgrading going to Tennessee? I like Traylon Burks. He has some promise, but he's not an established wide receiver. You don't have much better weapons to throw to. You're just changing addresses, really. And that's what I see for Lamar. I don't see him greatly uh, upgrading his situation with the people he has to throw around him. Like, I'm not saying he won't be electric. and I'm not saying that he can't. Let's say just for the sake of argument, he gets close to his MVP form in 2019. Like, you've pointed out that ESPN is running with the he is the second uh, best winning percentage of any quarterback currently in the league outside of Patrick Mahomes but like it's minus 10 or 15 games because he's been hurt so like that's one caveat ESPN has liked to reference but let's throw that out there let's say he's MVP form and he's healthy he plays in whatever all 17 games next year or 16 games Hmm. if it's on a team like Tennessee or Baltimore or Indianapolis to your point Brian Where's the difference in roster construction? Yeah. Where's the improvement? I, I don't see it. I don't see anything that's greatly better from his current situation. And for the and, Colts, you automatically bump yourself back into now it's win now. Now the perception is probably unfairly so. You bring Lamar in. Okay, now we're back. We are in the contention conversation. And that's a misnomer because right. you're not. You're distant still from Buffalo, from Cincinnati, oh, from absolutely. Kansas City. Yeah. And 
if they bounce back and two is healthy, I might throw Miami in there. There you go. That's what I like to hear. But it's true. And that's the other thing is, let's think about this because I think a lot of the Lamar um, evaluations are based on what has happened in the here and now, meaning the last couple of years. But let's get beyond that for a second. If we start to project the future, and this isn't the easiest thing because we don't know where he's going to play for sure, but... Just generally speaking, what do you expect from Lamar Jackson over, say, the next five years? It's an important exercise because if you go back to, like, my dad throw, teaching me how to throw a football, he would say, don't throw it to where the guy currently is. Throw it to where he'll be when the ball gets there, right? Like, you have to project where things are going to be, not where they currently are. Like Bryce so Young if- does? Well, we can get back and to CJ Stroud. <laughs> and CJ Stroud. I, I think that Bryce Young, I, you're throwing me off. Over here, myself, I, I think Bryce Young is the perfect example of it's not just the here and now and what he did yeah. in college, it's gotta, how he projects project at yeah, the next yeah. level. But if you apply, apply that to Lamar, let's be completely fair and totally honest at the same time. Where does he project to be over the next five years? Now, without knowing who he's going to play for and what he's surrounded by. We're looking at his market. He doesn't have one. So it looks like he's either going to be in Baltimore or if he does go elsewhere, it's going to be with a comparable supporting cast that lacks great weapons around him. Fair, right? Yes. I think that's yeah, pretty fair. I agree with that. Okay, so over the next five years, how do you think he would fare with that being the reality? I think it's going to be largely what it's already been. I think that Lamar will show... That he is an outstanding playmaker at times. That he is a highlight reel in the, in the making over there. What was it? Uh, Dominique Wilkins was the human highlight film. Yeah. Like, that's Lamar in the NFL. That's what he is. But he's banged up a lot. I, I see both of those things remaining constant for the next handful of years where, yeah, at times he's brilliant. At times he's banged up. At times, you wish that he was able to play and he just can't. I think you're going to get that largely over the next five years. I don't think it's going to change dramatically. I tend to have a relatively optimistic viewpoint on things. So this is my this is me being an optimist with this evaluation. Let's okay. say he comes to Indianapolis. Yep. I think they could win an AFC South title. I think he could win an MVP. I do. Like, I think he could have an electric season where, oh my goodness, look, he's doing everything he did in 2019. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe winning a playoff game. Maybe. Wow. Like, like, wow. like, cause you win, you win the South, you win the South and you, and you, and you, and you get a home game, maybe win a playoff game. That if he's in Indianapolis, if I'm simulating him there for five years, that is what you have to put your hat on if you're a Colts fan, in my mind. That is not worth anywhere close to. No, no, it's not. To, right. Like, 230-ish million dollars and all. And that might be what it is. I I think that Lamar, I I don't disagree with much. If anything, I might be a little more optimistic and say he might win a couple of playoff games. And maybe they get weapons, right? Maybe they hit on a receiver in the draft. Uh, Not the, maybe not the Colts, but anybody. Like just any hypothetical team for him. Maybe they're able to upgrade around him and, and, and play with the cap like so many teams do. Like, I don't have that simulation capabilities in this five-year hypothetical we're doing but on a baseline of average addition maybe a number one wide receiver I could be swayed into a little bit more optimistic okay maybe a conference title game appearance or maybe a divisional round appearance but not a I don't know I don't see a ceiling of you bring him into one of the rosters we've talked about Tennessee Baltimore staying Indianapolis Atlanta 
and over the next five years, you feel extremely confident we are right there with the top teams in our conference. I don't see it. Well, that's the other part is, and the landscape's always changing, but Lamar in the NFC immediately becomes one of the best quarterbacks yes. in that conference. Yeah. That would be pretty interesting. So you don't know exactly what the picture is going to look like, and that makes this harder to do. But I think just generally speaking, you know, if Lamar gets banged up, I just don't think the chances are great with his style of play to just avoid the injury bug for, what, seasons in a row? Like, I just don't see that to be realistic. And then you're thinking, well, who's your backup quarterback? How many games are you able to win? If you drop two or three games while while Lamar is out, which they've done each of the last two years in Baltimore, if you do that, well, guess what? You're going to be on the road in the playoffs. And if Lamar's healthy for that, it makes it harder. It makes it harder to survive and advance, get to the next round. So I, that's yeah, that's where I see it. I think we're uh, man, so much agreeing on the show here two. today. My goodness, goodness. All right, coming up next. If you don't have to pay players more, why in the world would you? We'll lay that out for you. I'm Brian. No, he's Jimmy Cook. It's ninety-three-five and one zero seven five. The fan. I'm Brian. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. No, he's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. You know, Jim Ursay, Colts team owner, he said something recently. He told uh, Zach Kiefer of The Athletic, of The Athletic, I do not believe in fully guaranteed contracts. Of course, a lot of speculation. Colts, are they interested in Lamar? Are they not? And so Jim Irsay let his feelings be known about that in general. Here's the thing, Jimmy, is I hear the conversation a lot of, and I think we talked to Bob Kravitz yesterday, where he's like, how do you not have guaranteed contracts in the NFL? You have them in Major League Baseball. You got them in the NBA. And I just think this, if you're a team owner, and you don't have to give out fully guaranteed contracts, why in the world would you give out fully guaranteed contracts? You know what I mean? Like, do you live your own life like that? Do you just say, I'm going to buy this car. That's a little cheaper than it should be. I'll give you 10,000 extra dollars just so it's more fair that way. Like, If you don't have to pay it, no one's paying it. And that's just the way it's been in the NFL. So these team owners, out of the goodness of their heart, they're not going to do anything that crazy to give out fully guaranteed deals because this has just become the way it is. So there's two things with all this. And I always tend to go player friendly. Like that's always, I don't feel bad for billionaire owners. I, I never have. I don't think I ever will. I think the main reason from a player's perspective, and as we've continued across all sports, this player empowerment feeling is that. I'm playing the most physical sport in the world or one of the most physical sports in the world. Injury risk is higher than almost any other sport in the world. Yep. All these other sports where the injury risk isn't so high as getting this guaranteed money, why shouldn't I? To your perspective from the owner's standpoint of why you should spend it, and maybe it's not all of it, but I know a large portion of it 
can be, and a lot of teams do this in the NBA and the MLB, the owners can get insurance on these deals. Like, I don't feel bad for them. If the player gets hurt, they can get their money back. Like, it's not like it's just, oh, it's, that money's gone forever. They can't spend it in season, but it's they're going to get a return on their investment in some capacity to the point that that whole feel good of, oh, why should you spend money? The common man's not going to do it. Why should a billionaire owner do it? Because unlike the yeah. common man, they're going to get their money back if their product ends up losing a tire. You know what I mean? Well, here's the thing. You can make a great argument for why it should happen, but you also have to put it into action how it will happen. Okay? Like, I can make an argument, hey, I shouldn't have to pay $20 to get into the club as a guy while girls get in free. What's up with that? Well, that's a good argument, but how do you make that happen? You know what I mean? Like, so for guaranteed contracts to happen in the NFL, you can make the argument all day long why they should happen. How will it happen? You've got to sit out. You've got to say, we ain't playing. And see if you can force your way into making that the norm. Other than that, it's never going to be the norm. And it's coming. I fully believe it's coming. If it's not this next CBA, whenever that happens for the league, within our – I don't know how the CBA cycle works. Every five years, every ten years, I I really don't know. I apologize for that. But I know there's been a handful of them – since I've been on planet Earth, right. I think it they're is locked coming. up. That for push the, is going to happen. The last one was for a, at least a decade-ish, I think. So it's twenty thirty. Twenty thirty. Yes. Okay. This well, well we, we we are in this early infancy of players aggressively screaming now after Deshaun Watson's guaranteed deal, Man, to make this happen. Is it, it going to carry water for, for seven it. It years? Is, it is all noise. It is all talk. It's like the movie American History X. Which part? Where, where Ed Norton says, there's a lot of hard talk and not a lot of follow through. That's all it is, is hot freaking air. Because you can say all you want, we should get this, we should get that, until you are willing to cost yourself money in the short term to make more money in the long run you're not going to sit out and force these team owners hands it's just not, they're going to wait out longer than you that's it, the way it always goes and it won't be again to be clear i'm not saying they would get everything that they want like maybe there's a middle ground maybe it's not like the entirety of it of a deshaun watson contract is the norm yeah but i just feel like we've seen it in every other sport is the nfl going to be immune to it the players win to an extent Usually the owners are the ultimate winners. Like it's a spin cycle. The MLB lockout uh, last year, you saw both the MLBPA and the MLB owners. Well, we won. No, we won. Like, well, you both conceded on a couple of things. The players ultimately conceded on more. I just feel like as we get further and further into this era of player empowerment, it's going to come for the NFL too. I do. It'll never happen. Okay. Ever. It will never happen. I guarantee that. I guarantee. And I don't want that to happen. I'm just the way that it's shaped and the way it's been and what it would take to change it 180 degrees. It'll never happen. You might have a few outliers here and there. It'll never be. and, 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 And if we're compromising on outliers, then okay, maybe not every player, but like, yes, your superstar assets, I believe, should be in the fully guaranteed conversation. Hey, we got Kevin Bowen coming up next from Kevin and Quarry in the morning. Let's uh, let's compare notes to old KB over here, and let's talk degenerate betting as well. You know, there's a story I'll tie to it around the corner. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. And no, he's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. I want to welcome in Kevin Bowen. Kevin and Query, you hear him in the morning here on The Fan. KB, man, I, I love me some ZZ Top. Where do you stand on ZZ Top? Great uh, selection by Eddie Garrison with us today. What do you think about that? Well, per usual, Eddie Garrison always on it. Um, I, I just kind of like the look, frankly. <laughs> More than anything, I've always been curious if I could ever pull off that beard. And uh, I think the answer is no. I love that the drummer's last name is Beard, and he's the only guy that didn't have a long beard in that band. Really? I, I, I did not know that. Yeah, that is yeah. Uh, that is a bit ironic. Isn't that sensational right there? Absolutely, man. Uh, well, KB, I wanted to pick your brain here. I know you dabble with betting, and I saw this, that in-stadium sports books will be allowed at NFL stadiums. Uh, before we get to maybe some of your degenerate uh, selections over the years, what do you think about the NFL getting in bed further with gambling here? Boy, well, first, it's just such a stark contrast from where the league was, I mean, not even a handful of years ago, just a just a couple of years ago, I, I, part of me is like, is it necessary to have that, you know, inside of arenas? I mean, or I guess in NFL case, the stadium, I mean, outside of what, you know, eight home games out of the year. Um, I, I'm not sure like the immense need for it, considering how mobile everything can be. I'm, I'm sure there's an element from a, you know, brick and I, I guess mortar standpoint that it would be beneficial. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I feel like everything can be done just from a mobile standpoint. But again, I know this is something that's becoming a little bit more popular in venue and stadium and arena. Uh, but certainly uh, the NFL and just to think back on comments, Roger Goodell would make at league meetings again, less than five years ago to the song and dance that they are doing now could not be more different. Kevin, any truth to the rumors that uh, you're going to be the first one to place a, a bet inside Lucas Oil Stadium, <laughs> a, a Tiger to win the Masters? Any any truth to those rumors? Well, if uh, you were to tell me that I would increase his chances by winning <laughs> the tournament by 0.1%, I would uh, sprint down over to Lucas Oil Stadium and make sure that I was uh, climbing atop the Peyton Manning statue to announce the first bet in the history of Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, so, yes, if if you were going to tell me that increases his chances by any means, Jimmy Cook, I will certainly be there. KB, my favorite degenerate bet in my uh, gambling career, it goes back to Super Bowl forty-three. It was the Steelers and the Arizona Cardinals, and I bet on which team President Barack Obama at the time would mention first in the pregame interview that he did. And, and I got it right. Um, what is uh, one of the things on the top of your degenerate betting list over the years? Yeah, boy, that is very close to the top um, or should <laughs> rival just about anybody else. So congratulations on that, Brian. I, I would say, again, Super Bowl props would probably fit into this. Um my wife was thrilled with the opening song for Rihanna this year. I, I don't know if I'm allowed. Well, I know I'm not allowed to say it on air, 
the exact um, name of the song, uh-huh. um, but I, it would follow in those lines, like Super Bowl related halftime song bets. I've been very sure of like, oh yeah, that one, you know, you can tie the analogy into the game returning after the break. And then looking back on, I'm like, Kevin, that was beyond idiotic that you ever thought that that was part of the rationale that they could have to close out the halftime show. Uh, songless. So uh, very similar to yours in a way. Uh, it would it would involve a Super Bowl profit. Yeah, probably the same for me. I mean, I, it's, it's either a coin toss or like, is the first touchdown going to be an odd number or an even number? I mean, you could always find some type of prop <laughs> bet in the Super Bowl Sunday action that's going to make you look fully degenerate. No doubt about that. No doubt. Zero whatsoever. Kev, I want to mentioned something that me and Brian discussed earlier and Eddie gave me a hard time for pumping myself up so I want to say uh, one, one handsome uh, 107.5 the fan uh, writer to another uh, uh, Brian had mentioned uh, the blog post I did for the fan midday show yesterday regarding Lamar Jackson and whether or not the Colts are actually interested in him and again this is just my opinion on it it's not something that you know I've heard like you might have uh, on the Colts beat itself but my thought was the Colts need to take a really long look in the mirror and look at if they make this fully guaranteed contract or long-term contract to Lamar Jackson from the time he signs it to the time it ends, are they Super Bowl contenders? And in my mind, because of the way they've been handcuffing themselves and what they have around him offensively not being that much better than Baltimore, I think the answer is no. It does not make them Super Bowl contenders bringing him in. Your thoughts on that sentiment and your thoughts on the whole Lamar Jackson saga in general right now? Yeah, I think that's a good way to to look at it um i have probably always kind of sided on the i would pass on this um you know a lot of it has to do with the recent injury history you know eddie and i were talking earlier about this when you look at how lamar jackson's last two seasons have ended i think you have to look at when these injuries have occurred and where the injuries have occurred Mm -hmm. and the win is again both in the month of december the most critical moment of a season um, he's been shut down in both of those years. And the wear, it would be the body parts, and those would be a, a knee injury and an ankle injury. So you're talking about the wear and tear of an NFL season clearly getting to him, uh, getting to him in the air of, uh, of his body, which is so dynamic and is so necessary for him to be at peak Lamar Jackson level. I think it's the other thing we have to remember. You know, his lower body, his dynamic nature with his legs makes him or, or made him an MVP, and again, one of the more unique talents the game has really seen. But how long is that staying power? To me, it's not long enough, or there's too much risk in banking on that. You know, he's 26 years old, but I think Lamar Jackson at 31 will look a little bit different than other quarterbacks at 31, just in style, effectiveness, those things. Um, And I think as his legs just naturally – you know, don't become as great of a strength as they are, then that puts more pressure on him as a passer. And if you want to look at it, I mean, you you can see there are, you know, plenty of stats you can point to to where his passing has just, not majorly, but has slowly started to deteriorate. And I think if you take away the leg element or you limit it or it's not as potent as it has been, that puts more pressure on him as a thrower. And when you add all of that up, I don't think you'd be getting the return on investment, as you said, you know, maybe as many cracks Super Bowl-wise, all of those things. And it's a steep price. And I thought Jim Irsay's comments earlier in the week acknowledged that. I thought Jim Irsay kind of put some water on this fire, if it ever was even a fire. And He's Kevin Bowen from Kevin and Query. The past few years. Oh, there you go. I, I, 
I would say that that is something that um, I would agree with the owner on. Sorry about that, KB. You cut out for just a second. I, and I took a leap of faith thinking, well, maybe he's not talking right now. <laughs> and you were, so I, I apologize for that. But, uh, yeah, but you know, you think about this where there's two ways you could look at it. I, you could look at it and say, man, it still is surprising. This dude has hardly any market at all. The Colts are the only team that said, I mean, he's a unique talent. we got to do our due diligence. We're interested. They're the only team. So you could look and say, that's surprising. He doesn't have a market. Or you could look at it and say, based on everything you just said, it's not shocking that many teams view it the same way. How do you look at his lack of market? Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, again, the quarterbacks were so desperate for him. I mean, hell, look at Carson Wentz getting 37 chances to, you know, to be different key or have the keys to different NFL franchises. Um, I, I would say, you know, part of it is probably Lamar Jackson's demand um, without an agent as well. I mean, when you kind of add that up, I think that's a lot for an NFL franchise to go down. I, I do think there is an element of the Deshaun Watson precedent that doesn't want to be set uh, league wide, and I think Jim Irsay pointed that out maybe indirectly. Um, here earlier this week. Um, and, and again, I, I think there is a little bit of injury history. How long can you rely on him sort of question of, again, what is the staying power um, for him? Again, having said all of that, it's still shocking that you haven't seen a team yet go there. Now, do a lot of teams just view this as, why would we negotiate for Baltimore? You know, is this, is this the Pacers and DeAndre Ayton? And the Suns are just going to match, and the Pacers ended up cutting Dwayne Washington, and not to act like Dwayne Washington was some, you know, critical piece, but they weren't able to get him back, and obviously you have to clear cap space to make an offer sheet for Lamar Jackson in the NFL. I think things are a little bit tighter. Why would you do that if you know the end result is just going to be him returning to Baltimore? Because certainly John Harbaugh, I mean, his comments were he wasn't trying to create any leverage earlier this week. He was adamant that you know they want him back, they expect him to be back, all of those things. Kev, if you were in charge of a front office, or let's just say, for example, you were in charge of the Ravens, are you wanting a deal to be done before the draft? Eddie Bryan and I kind of discussed that beforehand. Are you wanting this resolution resolved before the draft? And if the answer is no, we're content where we are. We offered our non-exclusive franchise tag, and we're going to put our feet up until, you know, I guess at some point this summer. Are you in a rush to, to make something happen? Yeah, it's a good question. Um you know, obviously you would want, I think, something done, which I, I believe the deadline I think is mid-July, so something would be done before right. training camp. I mean, I don't think it's the end of the world, considering the continuity they have. I know it's a new offensive coordinator. You know, you would like him to be involved in, in, in the spring, but again, I don't think it's an absolute must. And I'm not 100% sure, I guess, where he's at physically either um, coming off the injury. Um, I would think the most critical element you would want if you're Baltimore uh, if he were to walk, would be the draft pick in 2024, which, again, two first-round picks. You know, one of those would qualify there if you waited until after this year's draft. Obviously, you wouldn't get the 2023 pick. Um, if I felt good about this quarterback class and the Colts wanted him or the Lions wanted him, you know, you would want number four. You would want number six overall to, you know, be able to, to draft that quarterback. But I point out 2024 because, you know, that to me is where you have – early talks of such generational talent at quarterback, at receiver, in next year's draft class. So that is the one piece that I think is really important. And there's no real time frame on that. You know, no matter if you, you know, if Lamar Jackson signed an offer sheet with another team and moved on in, you know, April, or if he did that in July, you know, you would still get that 2024 draft pick. 
that's where some of my hesitancy also comes into play with this. We were talking about this a little bit earlier. If, like, say, for example, the Chicago Bears, they drafted Mitchell Trubisky very high, you know, whatever, 2017, and they missed. And they were able to pivot relatively soon thereafter because they didn't have to give up, you know, massive first-round picks and send them to other teams, or they were in a cap situation that really put them way behind the eight ball, and now they're trying again with Justin Fields. If you make a move for Jackson, your ability to try again isn't going to happen anytime soon. So if he were to suffer a, a bigger injury, or again, if it continued to go down a path where you're like, man, maybe Baltimore was, was right about not giving him that long-term deal, you're giving up two first-round picks. You're going to be in a crazy difficult mm-hmm. cap situation. You can't maneuver and pivot as much as you would like to, which I think is something you have to factor in as well. He's Kevin Bowen from Kevin Inquiry here on The Fan. Um, you know, it's an exciting time. KB to be a Colts fan you think about everything that you have at play here they finally have a top five pick they're looking to go rookie quarterback which one do you go with should you go down that route you've got the Lamar Jackson situation it's really an exciting time how far back do you think you have to go with the Colts to find a time that was as exciting as the here and now well I I would say it's a very different excitement I mean it's it's more of um hope entry anything mm-hmm. um you know probably excitement towards like oh wow you know hopefully we'll finally commit to taking a swing at a long-term quarterback which you really haven't in the last few years obviously there's been excitement entering various off seasons over the last couple of decades more based off of hey you know our power ranking is here and we think we can go to the super bowl and we think we can win the afc south et cetera. Et cetera. this excitement I think, you know, for a lot of people probably began with the firing of Frank Reich was the first admittance of that previous era was not going to get it done. And so you you finally said enough was enough. And very similar to maybe how the Pacers not necessarily fired Nate Bjorkren. Maybe it was more of a trade of Levert, a trade of Sabonis. You know, that was kind of the first admittance by that franchise of, all right, we need to go in a different direction. And again, that offers intrigue, that offers hope, um, which could be labeled, I'm sure, as excitement as well. So um, for me, it's probably just more of like, there's this immense amount of curiosity and unknown. Some of it is exciting. Some of it is probably a bit scary, but really it's a foreign time. I mean, to your earlier, to to, to the question, I guess, Brian, I I can't recall a time. I mean, Andrew Luck was obvious as the pick. Peyton Manning was obvious. Uh, Right. Truth to say was probably more obvious. I know hindsight's 2020, but you know, I, I feel like people thought he was the pick over leaf more than the other way around. I don't recall the, pay, the the Colts a month out from a draft with such a big question mark, such an obvious question mark, but yet having to dodge a couple of you know first, second, you know maybe a third quarterback choice, and then certainly once you take the guy, then it'll be all about developing him. KB, last question on my end, and, and I apologize for such a monumental moment that I, I didn't ask this earlier in our conversation. I, I Really, that's on me. That's my fault. But we talk about tough decisions to be made. Uh, you changed your Twitter profile picture for the first time in 12 years. Uh, what, it's what, Will what, Levis. What? Let me guess. It's Will the Thrill Levis. Is that it? <laughs> no, it's an updated picture of Kevin Bowen. It was an older picture of KB, and now oh, okay. it's a new picture of KB. Kev, how did that come about? I'm sure you've shared it on the morning show, but for, for our audience, obviously we crossed paths in that regard. Uh, what went into it? Yeah. Um, well, thank you for noticing, Jimmy. I hope you haven't scrolled past, because I am a big like visual, and again, this probably shows how addicted I am to Twitter. 
I'm a big like visual identity person when I'm scrolling on Twitter, where my brain is just wired to be like, oh yeah, I know who that is. You know, keep scrolling, yeah. or stop. You know, and hopefully people are actually stopping. So I was always, I've always been nervous about that. Um, but my wife is rightfully so, very understandably, has been hounding me to do that, um, and she's spot on with it. I'm glad that I finally listened to her. I probably should listen to her in more walks of life. But I was at the Combine a few weeks ago, and I ran into Field Yates, who I think you guys have had on. And, I mean, he's been great when he's come on with us. And, honestly, Field and I's relationship is more of just, like, occasional Twitter DM. And he sees my credential. He's like, what's up, Kevin? I can't believe that's what you look like. And I'm like, <laughs> oh. I, I, I'm like, yeah, nice. And I'm, you know, you're a little starstruck. I mean, he's like, you know, Phil Gates is, like, big time. And I'm like, yeah, great to meet you or great to see you. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, I mean, your Twitter profile, it's just, it doesn't look like you necessarily. And I'm like, oh, gosh. I'm like, boy, this is quite the humbling moment here to be having to be told or, you know, pretty much told by, again, someone who's, I would say high up in our little world of NFL media that, um, yeah, man, that was weird and you need to change your Twitter profile. Um, so that <laughs> combined with, again, uh, Maddie's um, urging has led to the new Twitter profile. So, uh, yeah, that's where we're at right now. So what was the old one that made it so hard to tell it was you and how does this new one differ greatly? Well, I've certainly lost some hair. I would say the hair's got a bit grayer. And, you know, when you work with Jake Quarry for 15 hours a week and you have two <laughs> kids under the age of, you know, two and a half, that, that probably all adds to it. Um, yeah, so the, the, my old Twitter profile probably was honestly the first Twitter picture I ever had, which was, I think I was a sophomore in college, maybe. Oh, man. And, and like, I'm not one. I, I don't know how you guys are. I, like, I'm not big into Facebook. I'm not really big into, like, you know, Instagram really, like I just kind of throw up a picture and all right, that's going to be the picture. And I'm like, never really going to change it. I, I, I've never, even like college me or post-college me, never really uh, worried about that stuff. And again, I know it sounds weird, but I got into this, like, Hey, if I keep scrolling and like when people have t- changed their Twitter profiles, it takes me like weeks and months to recognize <laughs> it. So again, that's probably more of a me Twitter issue than anything else. Um, but Finally, I have grown up, and at the age of 33, I have removed 20-year-old me and put up there 33-year-old me. So hopefully uh, people will understand that, uh, yeah, that's what I look like. There I am. Very nice, man. Well, KB, appreciate the time, bud. Hope you have a good rest of the day. (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Kev. Thank you. There he is, Kevin Bowen, Kevin and Query. And how about that? Field Yates, like, dude, I don't even recognize you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, look, it – I get Kevin's point because I'm sometimes visually sensitive as well. But, and this is something I'll probably ask him off here. Had his follower account dropped like by 2000? Wouldn't you be tempted to go switch to Twitter, Abby? Like this, that's a clear indication of what happened there. If the only thing different about Kev's content would be, oh, I changed my profile picture. I'd be quick to, to return to the old one if there was a massive drop in my in my following because of that. Is that what did happen? No, 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 no. no. I'm just okay. asking hypothetically if it would have, I'd, I'd be pressing the panic button. I get his fear. I understand. And I can't say that conversation did occur because I was standing right there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hey, how do you think, uh, going back to one of the questions we asked him, what do you think about this where NFL team owners, they voted yesterday to allow in-stadium sports books? I mean, that doesn't sound crazy at all. It's just the way things are progressing. Um, I just, I'm baffled, if anything, 
with some of the states that have not allowed legalized gambling. California, Texas, Florida. I, I don't get it. Think about a state as huge as California. The money they would be raking yeah. in. It's like, bro, you guys are not Utah, okay? <laughs> it's, it's not a Mormon state. Or like, what are you doing? Why are you saying no to cash? Yeah, a lot of it is perplexing to me. My favorite process with all this or my favorite comment with all this is random guy on Twitter or random guy on Facebook. It's like, oh, I can't wait to see the refs up there before the game placing a bet inside (laughs) the sports book. To which I'm like, okay, first of all, if you're in that tinfoil camp of all this is going to damage the game and and sure, are there pitfalls? Yes, but there are pitfalls when you can make a call to a bookie as well. Like It's not like it's just maybe a little bit easier. And if he doesn't want to be seeing the sports book in this hypothetical uh uh, crazy conspiracy theory. He could just pull out his phone and do it that way. I mean, it's not. Also, how many officials are you going to recognize? I did see one and- good tweet that was somebody should dress up as a referee and go to the sports book. You know, that's a good uh, question, Eddie Garrison. I could recognize a handful if they were in uniform. I don't know if they're just like rocking their yeah. normal clothes. I don't know if I would recognize a whole lot of them, but I'd recognize a handful of those NFL referees, I feel like, you know? Yeah, that's what I was trying to get to there. It's like, how many of these guys would you recognize if they weren't in the stripes? Yeah. Uh, who was uh i know he's retired now but ed hockley yeah yes. you know yeah I'd be like ed what are you do? i'm retired man i can be here you know <laughs> that sort of thing. my By son's the way, on the game he's i know what he wants that's right that's right yeah i said you know call penalties i'm on the over <laughs> Whatever. um you know eddie i hate to even bring this up but while we're talking oh, no. gambling oh no we i gotta hear it man no. I, I gotta hear how you got hooked Last night, a few not on gambling, but you know, if you want to lay it out for the people, um, well, it was Monday night. I'm sorry, Monday. You took last night off because I, of yeah, Monday night. I yeah. did. So, in the rare times of my sports betting, I don't think I've lost on a hook five times in a week. Uh, I lost on five hooks in one night. <laughs> tell, tell them the Blazers ending. Okay, so Shade and Sharp, I had the under seven and a half. It was the same game probably on the rebounds. He had, mm-hmm. I think he has five going into the fourth quarter. You know, they're playing the Pelicans Monday night. They're down nearly 30. I'm like, all right, he's out of the game. All the scrubs are going to be in. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. John C. Billups takes one substitution in the fourth quarter, and it's to put Shade and Sharp in the game with 930 to go. <laughs> Does he sub him out? Nah. We're going to leave him in there, you know. We're going to leave the youngster in there. It's a 30-point game. And the final seconds, there's 28 seconds left. I'm watching this on my laptop. And I don't know who it was for the Pelicans. Takes a meaningless three. They're up like 27. Sharp runs from the top of the key and wrestles the rebound away from his own teammate. And I lose. That's <laughs> Was that the last one of the night? Uh, that was the last one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a what a nightcap there! That, All uh, because know, they don't want to take a twenty four second shot yeah. clock violation. And you always see that at at, at the uh-huh. end of games, uh-huh. especially with the lead that big. Yeah, I was like, "What are we doing here?" Like they got the rebound with like seven, eight seconds, or I think it was seven seconds, and they just stood there. Uh, Portland did. They didn't even try to score. I'm like, "See, that's what you could have done," but no. That's uh, that's way better than one of my bad beat stories. But I'll tell you, you guys would enjoy this. It was um, 
I think it was the Texas Bowl a couple of years ago. It was LSU and Kansas State, college football. And LSU, they had a bunch of guys opt out. It's the Texas Bowl. They didn't have a quarterback. Oh, I remember this game. (laughs) They had a wide receiver playing quarterback. And so I hit it numerous times. I'm just betting LSU's team total under. It'd be like under, I can't remember, 16 and a half, under 15 and a half, under 14 and a half. I just kept hitting it. And uh, they've got like seven points, and it's late. And they scored another touchdown on fourth and long. It's actually a beautiful pass in the back of the end zone. One wide receiver to another wide receiver. <laughs> like the, <laughs> the throw and catch. And so they had life. They had 14. They get the ball back. They're going in the wrong direction. They're nowhere close to scoring. But what they do in the final minute, they run a reverse pass that's a bomb to some guy who's wide open, not a soul around him. And they scored at the end. They didn't even attempt the extra point. That was the walk-off play. And it it made me lose my bet because they did some razzle-dazzle. And I forget the score. It was like 42 to 20 or something like that. It wasn't even close. And they ran the reverse fake bomb for me to lose my bet. That was brutal, man. Brutal. My heart breaks for both of you. That's, I mean, I, you, you saw live on air three weeks ago when uh, uh, Purdue and, and, and Rutgers, or Purdue, I can't remember who it was, it was Purdue oh, and Maryland, yeah. when <laughs> yeah. my five and a half was sitting pretty, and I knew with Braden two minutes Smith, to go, man. It. Yep. Braden yep. Smith missed a couple of free throws. And it, you got to hate the missed three-pointer that turns into an assist Yes, from the guy just catching it underneath his own basket. That's brutal, man. It's the dangerous game we play. You going to hop back on the betting train tonight, Eddie? We'll see. I haven't decided yet. Yeah. I told Jimmy after it happened Monday night that I would probably not bet until uh, opening day, which is tomorrow. (laughs) I don't know. I haven't decided full yet. All right, we'll see how that progresses. Maybe uh, Jay Cook will have a couple of bets at the end of the show that you like and you get in on that. Coming up next, there are two completely different arguments, and they both make some sense. We'll give that to you right around the corner. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Oh, he's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. So we got a couple of really different arguments about Lamar Jackson. And I think, Jimmy, both make some sense over here. Now, we bring this up because the Colts are interested according to Chris Ballard they're doing their due diligence on Lamar and the injury issues are a huge concern right so Arthur Blank who's the Falcons team owner he weighed in on Lamar and the injury issues and Lamar weighed in on Lamar and his injury issues so this is what Arthur Blank had to say at the owners meetings there in Phoenix he said Quote, looking at it objectively, there is some concern about whether or not he can play his style of game for 
How long can that last? I'm not sure. He's only 26, hopefully a long time for his benefit and anybody that he signed with, but he's missed five to six games each of the last two years. This is not like baseball and basketball where you're playing 82 or 182 games or whatever baseball is now. Each game counts a lot in our business, end quote. I can certainly understand that. Not the biggest baseball fan, Arthur Blank there. <laughs> what are they playing, 182 games? Whatever they play over there in baseball, I'm not sure. But I mean, the injury concern is a huge, huge question mark. And I thought he laid it out in a fair way. It's always a little, eh, you know, when you hear a team owner putting this on wax and saying, yeah, I don't know if he's going to remain upright. You are hurting his values. It's, it's a really tricky situation to just give your honest assessment and knowing it could impact what he gets on the open market, you know? From the league that brought you an extra Thursday night game maximum comes we're worried about this injury-prone player getting hurt. Like, it, it maybe not blank, but in particular, the league as a whole, I, I still have a hard time feeling like there's real true sympathy and fear. And now we're not signing him. That's an easy thing to say, right? Lamar Jackson has the injury history. It makes sense. It's a perfectly rational reason for the league to be like, or an owner to be like, yeah, we don't want him. We don't want our investment to tank and get hurt. But then on the other side of the coin, talking on the other side of their mouth, here's the more money. Let's add an extra Thursday night game so that people are able to have two of these potentially now over the course of their season. Like it, I don't know. I don't always buy that as a viable reason when we want to add more games and get more money where we can on one side, but then blame the player for why they're banged up or why they're hurt. Well, I hear you, but I disagree. Okay. <laughs> because, because Lamar in particular, like Lamar's been banged up without playing Thursday night games twice a year. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, so it's a legitimate comment. Sure. I, I don't think just because you're adding where a team could play two Thursday night games that, I mean, it gives you no grounds to talk about injury issues whatsoever. You know what I mean? Like these are still issues. Sure. And for Lamar, certainly Lamar is not the missed. poster child for the Thursday night football issue. I get that, but it's like, we're just now going to see starting this season and onward. If what the players concerns are, are true, which is that, hey, we're going to be adding potentially two now Thursday night games you have to play this year. And with the turnaround time, I get it. They get 10 days off afterwards, and that's great. But you are going to shorten the amount of time you have in preparation in terms of repair Sunday to Thursday, now twice on the year. If injuries go up, the players are going to continue to have a stronger argument for why this should be a concern moving forward. Lamar's not a good example for that. I get it, but yeah. it's, it's it could be an issue moving forward for other players when you're like, oh, this guy's hurt all the time. Well, yeah, he happened to play two Thursday night games last year, and one of those games he got hurt in. Like, it, I don't know. I don't know. I love okay. football, but right. I, I have a line for the whole, eh, injuries happen, we're not going to guarantee money, but hey, let's get more games to put players in a further situation to potentially get hurt. The whole well, thing is backwards to me. Getting back to blank on Lamar, I mean, it's certainly an injury concern. Okay, Lamar's been banged up quite a bit. Sure. I get how sure. a team owner would be like, yeah, I, I just don't know if he's going to remain upright sure. with that style of play. Fair. Now, Lamar, he was up late last night. He was defending why he didn't play in the playoff game last year. Or technically this year, but last season, sure, sure, right? Sure. So he put, let's get real. I'd rather have a 100% PCL than go out there and play horrible, forcing myself to put my guys in a bad situation. Now that's selfish to me. Okay, he also tweeted about, you know, 
the knee injury taking longer than expected last year for him to return, right? This was diagnosed as a two to three week type injury and he missed the rest of the season, including the playoff game. He tweeted, I don't remember me sitting out on my guys week one versus the Jets to week 12 versus the Broncos. How come all of a sudden I sit out because of money in which I could have got hurt at any time within that time frame when we know the Super Bowl has been on my mind since April 2018? Okay, so Lamar's pushing back on these thoughts of, hey, he, however you want to phrase it, milked the injury. He didn't have his guaranteed long-term money, so he's, he's playing it extra safe. However you want to say it, he's pushing back on that idea. My thing is this. If you say, I'd rather have a 100% PCL, that's alarming to me because a guy who's been banged up like Lamar has, he's shown that he's very conscientious about not going out there. There's a big difference between being hurt when you can get out there and injured where you have no chance getting out there. And if he's saying, I need to have my PCL at 100%, That raises a red flag for me thinking, hey, if we re-sign him, if I'm the Ravens, if we make a big push to get him, to acquire him, and I'm a different team, is he going to be willing to go out there and play hurt or is he going to be like, I got to be 100% to get get back out on the field? Like, that's a legitimate concern now. I think if I'm reading his comments right, he's being slightly disingenuous with the guaranteed part because if I was him, and I was in that same situation where you'd like to have him for a playoff game on a Ravens team, let's be honest, even with Lamar there, maybe they do, right? If you want to say the whole open Pandora's box of, well, maybe they are able to win that game against the Bengals. They came really close. If they have Lamar in there, you plug him in, maybe that game plays out the same way. Maybe they bounced Cincinnati, and they're moving Mm -hmm. on in the playoff race or within the playoff push to try to win a Super Bowl. That's fair, but on the other side, from Lamar's perspective, he him outwardly denying that it wasn't partially about the guaranteed money, I disagree I, yeah, with. Yeah. Because if I'm in Lamar's shoes and I believe I'm as valuable as he thinks he is, and I'm in a situation last year where I'm gambling on myself, I'm going to try to get this big contract, I'm going to play through as much as I can until the injury happens and he ultimately sits out, there's no way that's not in the back of your mind of, I'm not going to go out there. Like right. I think if he would have had a contract under his belt and he had the guaranteed money and assurance that he's fine, I think he would have played in that playoff game. I don't I, I don't do believe too. that. I don't I do yeah, I think that and we'll never know. Right. But it's just a gut feeling that it's a different deal when you're dinged up. Like he didn't have this PCL injury weeks one through twelve. Right. Like he got this PCL injury <laughs> against the Broncos uh week twelve, I believe it was. I have to go back and check the exact week, but and then he didn't play again the rest of the year. So, yeah, like, if he has, if last offseason he signed the long-term extension and the guaranteed money was there, yeah, my gut feeling is there's a much better chance he's out there in the playoff game against the Bengals. But without having that security, without having that assurance, yeah, I I, I just, I don't, I don't believe that. I wouldn't have played. I, if it was, if it, played. I would not have played. If, mm-hmm. if, I, if I truly thought that I wasn't fully 100% and 
and I look at this organization and I feel like they have not treated me well. They don't value me. They don't care about me. I'm not going to risk it on a coin flip playoff game if I'm not really 100%. I, yeah. I wouldn't play. It, it was week 13 for the record against I'm the sorry, Broncos. I'm sorry. I thought you were referring to the to the to playoff game against the Bengals. No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. No, no, no. You're right. I'm sorry. I, I'm uh, making things confusing. I was just circling back to... It was, when he tech, was hurt. it was okay. week 13 okay. when he was hurt against the Broncos. But yeah, I know I'm talking about the playoff game, too. Okay. So sorry to make it confusing. But yeah, against the Bengals, it's all man. It really it depends on a lot of factors. So it's probably totally unfair. I, I don't know. I'd have to have if I'm in Lamar's shoes, the same exact injury to know how it feels sure. to know what's at risk. You got to weigh a lot of stuff. So. I wouldn't look at it and say, hey, man, this organization, they offered me a hundred thirty three, uh, 133 guaranteed when Deshaun got 230 guaranteed. Yeah. Like, I should have my cash right now. And now they want me to go out there while I'm nicked up? He might have thought that. But it's like, if you're able to go and be close to yourself, close, you know, within the, the ballpark. Sure. We don't expect you to be electric like you normally are, but... You can at least go out there and be more effective than Tyler Huntley. It's not like the sure. bar is really high. Like it's not just about the organization at that point. It's about your teammates. No, it's I, not about the money you didn't get. It's about being there for your guys too. And that's why it becomes a moral dilemma. And I, I totally agree with that point. My larger issue, though, is where, who who matters more to you in that moment? Your long term prospects or your teammates that you've been to battle with? That's a tough decision to make. Right. The problem is if you get hurt in that playoff game. You're that's bleeped. Right. That, that's that's right. it. And that's why that's why he wants the fully guaranteed money. Because it's it. It's game, set, match. He's heading into... into uh, right. uh, uh, I might not even tag him. Like, if it's career ending, like, the Ravens are all of a sudden like, all right, that well, was fun. Let's go. I, yeah, I hear you. The chances are low. But, yeah, but they'd put probably it this still way. tag him. But, you know. Without your long-term deal, Lamar's like, I need my PCL to be 100%. Yeah. With the long-term deal, I don't know that he has to have his PCL at 100%. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yep. That's the best way I could put it. All right, coming up next, we've got a couple of anniversaries to celebrate here. We'll do that. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Oh, he's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. I just had a grade school flashback, Jimmy Cook. So uh, one of my buddies, guy named Mike Beaton, shout out to him. He started playing guitar in grade school. And he played this song, Bad to the Bone. It was, I don't even know, it was kind of like a school, not quite a play. But you know how you do these goofy things in a grade talent school? Show? Kinda, or like everybody else was sort of like doing this dance toward this song, and he was just on stage jamming, playing guitar, and uh, it was hilarious because he's like, "Yeah, man, I'll have to go downstairs," and the little first graders would be like, "Bad to the bone." 
out and then start, <laughs> start mimicking it and all that. I don't know. Sorry, I just had a flashback to that. Uh, any any fun grade school memories you have off the top of your head, Jimmy? Not not off the top. No, no I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't blame. You know what? Randomly, I thought about this. We used to kill each other at recess in grade school. Like we'd play these games. We would have a game where you would just throw a ball on the ground and whoever picked up the ball, everybody tried to tackle the guy. Yeah. And it was just like, who's brave slash stupid right. to pick up this ball while everybody just throws him around like a rag doll. That's what we did at recess. You know what that sounds like? What does it sound like? A metalhead. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it was born, right there. It sounds like the the early days of the mosh pit. Yeah, I hear you right there. Uh, so a couple of of uh, anniversaries here, Jimmy. So this is a day late. Apologize, but uh, on this day in 1984, yesterday we're talking about, right? Uh, Baltimore Colts owner Jim Ursay moved the team to Indianapolis in the dead of night. We had the Mayflower trucks and everything. So happy anniversary a day late. The Colts coming to Indianapolis. What what year were you born again, Jimmy? 1995. Wow, dude, that was 11 years before you were born. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the the cra- I, I was going to reference that in the middle school gap to uh, discuss, you know, the different songs that would have been performed at talent shows when you were in middle school versus <laughs> so myself. Was it like 50 Cent in the well. club is oh, that? Oh yeah, you- yeah. You know, yeah, just freestyling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Wow. Yeah, you're right. Isn't that amazing? Bad to the Bone was was performed at a grade school talent show. What would have been a song that was performed at yours? Oh man, I mean, you probably. I mean, there's enough crossover where maybe you could have gotten some some Weezer. Maybe you could have gotten some uh, okay. Green Day. You know, uh-huh. I mean, like that that American Idiot. I'm sure would would have been performed uh, uh, by you know your your young rock band or young rock groups in middle school. No doubt about could that. See that. But could like you know, that. you have your like classic. Everybody first learning guitar. Cotton Eye Joe's a good like any 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 event song definitely would have popped up during my uh, grade school days. Uh, you smoke on the water. Everybody kind of learns that. You can easily play the first notes in that song uh, when yeah. you're first learning guitar. So I'm I'm sure there's crossover too with some of the classic rock songs as well. Are, have you ever you know been a guitar guy yourself, Jimmy? No, I, I took lessons for a little bit. Uh, I don't know. I just couldn't. I didn't have the discipline for it. Shout out to my uh, my older nephew Al Cook. Uh, fantastic uh, musician. Uh, he, he knows how to play the guitar. He knows how to uh, make music. And uh, that that genes just did not fall my way. Shout out Al Cook. Indeed. Very nice. Love that. Um, how about that, though? What if Indianapolis never had the Colts? Think about that. And what if Jim Mercy didn't move the franchise in the dead of night over to Indianapolis? It's kind of weird to think about how things like that I think about all the layers that happened mm-hmm. afterward. Who'd we be talking about today on the show? Seriously, think about that. It's crazy. We would be making more of an emphasis, I feel like, towards as much as we can, milking this Pacers final push towards <laughs> the play-in or tanking. And also, then we'd lose! Who, lose. Would, who would be to say that the station would be here? That's a fair point That's as right. well. That's a yeah, fair point. why not even be around? It's <laughs> wild to think about it. Now, this isn't an, an anniversary, but... It was 328, right? Like March 28th yesterday. And so there were a lot of tweets about the 28 to 3 comeback yep. for the Patriots against the Falcons and a lot of screenshots of it. it still blows my mind. It was 28 to 3 with 2:10 left in the third quarter. Think about that. 
25-point lead with just a couple minutes left in the third. And they they couldn't bring it home, the Falcons. I don't that know is, if, man. if junior, I senior rather, senior year of college, me, would have had the foresight and been able to remove the Tom Brady bias away. But boy, what a live bet that could have been. Oh, oh man. Oh, man. <laughs> oh it would have you been know what? There are a couple of stories where I forget what it's called. There are a couple of markets where you can sell your your betting tickets, right? So yeah. there were a couple of people that had the uh, the Falcons. They had the Falcons to either win the game outright or cover the spread, whatever it was. And so they could have sold their ticket, yeah. which looks like it's going to cash for sure. You could sell it for well over $100,000, whatever it was, and they're like, no, 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 no. Why shortchange ourselves? Let's just ride this thing on out. And then the Falcons lost, and their bet is worthless. That's yeah. rough. Yeah, that, when you add in that wrinkle, there are so many different ways. We always are happy about the wins. There are yeah. so many different ways to lose or miss out on opportunities in the world of sports gambling. It's, it, yeah, it's truly you fascinating. Know what? The football aspect of it, too, it's so weird how... You know, like for the Falcons, look how it differs on the winning side, losing side. For the Falcons, that's Matt Ryan's legacy. Yeah, Fair or not, that's what he's going to be known for first and foremost, is losing to Tom Brady and blowing a 28-3 to lead. It's not all his fault at all, but that's just the way it's going to be thought of. It's not going to stick to Julio Jones the same way. It's not going to stick to Kyle Shanahan, the offensive coordinator that's throwing the ball instead of kicking a field goal when they're in range, right? But it's going to be Matt Ryan first and foremost. You look conversely, Tom Brady got a lot of shine for that, but so did James White. So did Julian Edelman making an insane catch. It's just funny how it's just really about Matt Ryan alone, fair or not, and it's about more than Tom Brady on the winning side. It's weird how that works out. I don't disagree with the point that Matt Ryan's the poster child and always follows him, but I feel like particularly when you get to the playoffs, it happens all the time from the pundits and sometimes sneaks onto the broadcast. They sure. point to Kyle Shanahan and that still does fall A little him. bit. You're but right. I agree with you. A little bit. Matt, yep. Matt takes the cake for sure. Yeah. Unfairly so, but he does. He does. Yeah, a little bit. Little like, hey, by the way, Kyle Shanahan, remember that Falcon Super Bowl? Like when it's they a- lost to Kansas City, that went, whenever they got to the done praising the champions and went back, okay, let's take a look at the 49ers now. Uh-huh. Shanahan and Garoppolo, obviously the quarterback's the poster child, but that's just how it was. Like, oh, this guy can't win the Super Bowl. He can't, can't hold a lead. They had a 10-point lead then. I brought that up heading into, you know, uh, the NFC Championship game. Where I'm like, you know, Shanahan, Falcon Super Bowl, <laughs> you know, the 49ers Super Bowl. Yeah. Eh. And there was pushback, like, oh, come on, man. I mean, that's, that's with uh, Garoppolo, and this is a different deal with, you know. So, yeah, it's just funny how that works out. Yeah. We got a lot to do here, Jimmy. We've got Bo Estes coming up next from NBA.com, NBA TV. We'll talk some Pacers and beyond, get you all set. Oh, also, a little bit later in the next hour, Not exactly L-I-T for T-N-F. Huh? I think you can put that together. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's... Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love 
hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Want to welcome in Bo Estes from NBA.com, NBA TV. Man, you hear this music when he's doing his thing. I love it. This is some of the best sports music we have in the game. Where would you rank this, Bo? I know this is a terrible question to ask you because it's tied to something that you do. But if you could be completely unbiased, where would you rank that music among other sports music? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to be honest. If I, if, as far as sports music goes, uh, and I, I hate to jinx this new rights deal that uh, my company, Turner Sports, is engaged in. I love that NBC old basketball music. Uh, but yeah, oh, that, yeah. That, was human, uh, that was audio coffee I just heard right now. Bo, appreciate you making time for us. I want to dive right in in terms of our local angle here. We've asked this to a number of different uh, NBA guests we've had on over the last couple of weeks. I want to get your perspective as well. Pacers are in this weird territory that they've been in the last couple of weeks where are they making a push for the play-in or are they going to wind up losing and falling back of the pack and get more ping-pong balls? You look at the NBA play-in tournament, let's stick east right now because I know west is absolutely electric. But you look at the east, is it beneficial for teams like the Pacers, like these smaller market teams that now have maybe an incentive in down years to make a late push? Has it been a positive? Uh, it's interesting because I used to try to do the math on what the value of a playoff spot was, you know, to each franchise is a home playoff game worth a million dollars to the team uh, per each. And now the plan could just be a one and done. And, you know, that throws you back in the mix for uh, the top 14 pick and all the chances that go with that. Um where the Pacers are right now, I think I think it's a little tough to see them getting back in the mix. I think you know they they've fallen back a little bit, and there's a you know a team or two in between them. Uh, but I do think there's value in making it. I'm I'm going to say something that that nobody loves to hear. I, if you make it and you lose in the play-in, there may be some value, particularly for a team like the Pacers, who have some young guys who may need to feel that energy a little bit and may need to feel that heat. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've talked to several people in the league. You want to be in that top four in each conference, so you're making a real push for a championship, or particularly this year with a guy like Victor Wembanyama, you'd love to have a shot at him too. So they are in, uh, you know, finger quotes in the air, no man's land right now. It's really interesting with what you pointed out. Wembanyama, you think about Scoot, you've got some yeah. – Big names in the draft. Are you surprised at all with that in mind that some teams have been sort of late to the party in terms of shutting guys down while they're still in go-for-it mode to try to get into the play-in and then, then do what once you get into the playoffs, you know? Uh, yes, I think so. What the NBA's done is tried to tighten those odds up a little bit so that the worst of the worst teams have a better shot at getting it. But even if you have the worst record in the league. I, I don't know it exactly, but I think it's I think it's fourteen and a half percent chance that you have of getting the number one pick. So if you did everything to lose every game in the world to get Victor Wimbanyama, your shot's fourteen and a half percent, I believe. So I it, the, the odds aren't great, even if it does work. But you, you mentioned, you know, 
if, if you're if the other guy is Scoot Henderson, oh my gosh, Brandon Miller. There's another, you know, as far as a player goes, really talented. So there's three guys up top there that are really good. Uh, you know, to me, Victor Wembanyama. I, I, you know, as Jimmy knows, I work summer league. Uh, and I talked to a lot of scouts, and Victor Wembanyama is the best prospect they saw last year uh, since LeBron James. So you're, you're talking about an incredible, overwhelming talent. Uh, and so, you know, the chance to get a guy like that and turn your program around in a couple of years to be one of those top four teams uh, is, is a real opportunity for um, – any sort of franchise, and the, the, you, know, you mentioned a smaller franchise. It's tough in the NBA uh, to attract free agents to, to some destination. That's just a reality. Uh, but if you can draft a guy of that level and really commit to him, you, you think you have a chance to do something like Milwaukee did with Giannis. And that, that sort of sets your program in motion for 10, 15 years. And, and I, I think that's what a lot of these smaller market teams would love to do. Bo Estes of NBA.com, an NBA top 10 list. Nice enough to take some time with us. You can follow him on Twitter at NBA Bo. Sticking with the Pacers for just a second, Bo, they started out of the gate to start the season way ahead of anybody's expectations. And as the season unfolded, it became a little bit clearer. Well, they played a pretty favorable schedule to start the year. And yeah, they, they played lights out. They played what was in front of them. They eventually came back down to earth. They've dealt with injuries, but you mentioned the young core, the talent that's there. There weren't a ton of expectations this year, even though there was a little false promise to start. How do you preach to that for a small market fan base that feels like, yeah, we're a player or two away, but this year gave us mixed feelings from us being okay with being bad, but seeing growth over the course of a whole season? Well, it's funny because uh, if, if you've seen my picture on Twitter, you'll see my gray hair. I've been a, around a bit, <laughs> and I remember going to Indiana when they were a big player and the passion those fans had uh, in that arena when Indiana was making deep playoff runs and was you know appearing in NBA Finals and stuff like that. So I, I get it, and the challenge is you know you, you, if you want to follow a team and you see them. They give up more points than anybody in the Eastern Conference. I think they're tied with Detroit or something at this point. So that's a frustrating thing. But I do think when you look at a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, you see a guy that you can build your franchise around, and you see the fact that he's not yet 25 years old, that he's young, that you know, you've got other guys who are young and making big plays. And, the, you know, basically you're collecting pieces at this point and hoping to point towards the future. And you've got a really, really good one in Halliburton, and you may have some others, uh, depending on how it goes. What, what that means is you've got to make some decisions on folks you have and folks you may want to get rid of or folks you may want to attract to Indiana. So I think, um, you know, if I'm an Indiana Pacers fan, I'm excited, but I know that, that it's the future, it's not the now, and that's, that's what you're excited about. You know, Bo, if we put winning to the side just for a second, we know that's the most important thing. That's what gets almost all the focus. But if you just look at entertainment value, you're the perfect person to ask because you do the top 10 list for NBA.com. You see the best of the best in terms of highlights. I'm going to ask you about teams, though. Forget about wins, just entertainment value. If you're going to see one team and you're paying top dollar to see them, which is the team that you think is the most entertaining in the NBA right now? You know, you asked this question at the absolute perfect time because I just watched 
the Golden State Warriors come back last night in the second half against the New Orleans Pelicans. And uh, the closest thing I can describe watching Golden State is if you've ever owned a car with a really good turbo, and when that car hits turbo, it just flies and you hardly feel like you can control it. That's what happens when Golden State really starts going. Um, They're not going like they used to go, but in those moments – at that peak, they're as entertaining a team as I can imagine in the league. There are, you know, there are some other young teams that I would favor to beat them, namely the Milwaukee Bucks. I'd be favor to beat anybody if they're healthy. Uh, but as far as just pure entertainment value, when the threes are raining down, boy, it's hard to beat the Golden State Warriors. Bo, a lot of basketball fans are in this state, and March Madness is is counting down until its conclusion here this coming Monday night. And like me, like I've been following the NBA as well, but I know I'm going to latch right on when we get into the playoffs, when we get into the postseason. Brian already asked you the most energetic team, but when you look at the top of the standings on either side, is it open and shut that Milwaukee or Denver has the best chance to win it, or are you leaning more towards one of the other top four teams on either side of the conference? This is the most wide open I can remember the NBA being in quite some time. Remember, you know, we're just coming out of that era where it was Cleveland and Golden State in the finals year after year after year after year. Um, so it's it's a little more entertaining for me. I, I do. I've said it time and time again. If Milwaukee is fully healthy, I think they're the best team in the NBA. I Are they beatable? Perhaps. But if that, you know, the one thing that's tough for Golden State is to handle is size. And Milwaukee is overwhelmingly huge. Uh, so I, th- I think they would, they would really do well against Golden State. But think about some of the other stories that are coming along. The Phoenix Suns, what are they going to be like when Kevin Durant comes back? I don't know that we know what's going to happen with that team. I mean, Golden State has a potential Andrew Wiggins just hanging out there. I don't know that Zion Williamson's not going to sneak back in, into the lineup. Uh, there's just so many stories out there uh, where teams could get a player back, a piece back, things could break in the right direction. Um, you know, we've got this great MVP race where three deserving candidates just sit there and wonder if their name's going to be called. So um, it's just, it's a wide open season right now. And after years and years and years of the playoffs sort of being a formality till the finals, it, it's really entertaining to me, at least. He's Bo Estes, NBA.com, NBA TV, joining us here on The Fan. Bo, I apologize. I'm going to ask you a question you could talk about for maybe two hours. And I'm going to ask you for like <laughs> two solid minutes. You know, like, okay. How many teams okay. in the East and how many teams in the West do you think are capable of getting to the finals? Okay, have your producer give me a 15-second count so I don't go long here. Uh, let's, look at, let's look at it. Uh, I, think, I think the Milwaukee Bucks are certainly my favorite to win the NBA championship. I think they can get it done. Easy, put them in the list. The Boston Celtics are the team that's right behind them. Uh, they were in the finals last year. If they're healthy, they've added Malcolm Brogdon. That's a team that can definitely get in. The Philadelphia 76ers, James Harden is playing different this year, but at an all-star level, you know, whether he gets picked or not, uh, with a potential MVP and Joel Embiid, they can get in. Now you're getting into some teams that are going to need some breaks, uh, some some health things. You know, last year, Chris Middleton, an all-star, got hurt in the middle of the playoffs. 
So that allowed, in my mind, somebody else to move in and win the NBA championship. But I think the Cleveland Cavaliers could get it. Let's let's mm. stop the list there. Let's mm. just stop it there. But Cleveland needs help. Those top three, I think, can do it. Cleveland needs help. Out West, it is nuts. Denver, yes. Phoenix, yes. Oh, I'm going to say L.A. Clippers, yes. Golden State, yes. Uh, after that, I'm just going to say no because I'm reading their name. It says Sacramento Kings. I doubt that works. <laughs> but maybe. Uh, you look at that, you take the rosters off, that, uh, take the jerseys off. That's a team that's playing really well. So maybe. But, uh, you know, teams that I definitely say yes to, Denver, Phoenix, Golden State, uh, Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, maybe give me Sacramento, maybe give me Cleveland. And boy, I, I'm a real maybe on the Clippers. Uh, and I refuse to say Lakers. And if they do, oh my gosh, that'd be incredible. Bo, I'm going to pivot for a second and ask you a question that is not in the NBA realm, but it's something that you wow. can speak to to an extent just to get your perspective on it. Uh, quick yep. history. Slayer. Quick, Slayer, It's not right? Slayer. It's not, not Slayer. Slayer. Okay. Uh, but, but, but we can get to that at the end because I know you want to get where Bo's musical interest lies, and I think his answer will probably surprise us. But oh, wow. okay. 1983, Larry Bird becomes the first player in the NBA to get a fully guaranteed contract. In the league at the time, totally foreign process, and how they became normalized in the NBA was players and agents that followed utilized Bird's example as a negotiation tactic for this needs to be the new normal in the NBA. The NFL might not be at that crossroads right now with Lamar Jackson wanting a guaranteed contract, but that is the never-ending debate is why NBA and MLB players have more fully guaranteed. Can the NFL ever get there? In your mind, can it? And is it as simple as one precedent being set and then fellow foot soldiers following in line for the NFLPA? It's tougher for the NFL to me uh, for a number of reasons. The main one being the number of roster slots they have. Uh, You know, the NBA is, Mm -hmm. I think, 15, and you do the two-way spots. I think that fills it out. Uh, And then baseball is, what, half of the NFL So I, I think it just I think it just the numbers make it tougher. Can they get there? Sure. Uh, you've got to have a strong collective union. They have to work together to get that. And I don't know, um, you know, in the NBA for a while, and even still to this day, it's a it's a bit of a has and a have not have not. You know, you got guys making you know in the mid forty million dollars a year, and then you guys got guys making. A million a year, and that's fine. I mean, both of those things are wonderful salaries to me. Uh, but I think, um, you know, can the NFL, with all of those young players that don't get paid nearly as much as, you know, the Patrick Mahomes of the world and what Lamar Jackson and the other guys want, can they can they work together uh, to get guaranteed contracts? I, I, I honestly, Jimmy, I think it's really tough. I, I got to know, Bo. Because Jimmy, he he wetted the whistle over here. What are the musical go tos for you? Uh, again, go refer to my uh, go refer to my uh, picture on Twitter. Look at my hair. Look at the color of it. It's a little gray. Uh, but yeah, I, I spend a lot of time in Hawaii. I love Jack Johnson. Did somebody say player like baby come back player? I can't believe <laughs> I can't believe no. I heard that. But yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, yacht rock seems to pop up on my uh, you know Amazon Music player quite a bit. 
but there's a lot. You know, you can you can get into some nineties R and B, and you can really get into a lot of rap too. Uh, and I think I think that just proves that I'm a product of Gen X. My tastes are all over the place. I, hey, I love that, man. I love it. You're a little eclectic. Very good. Yeah. Bo Estes, good stuff, man. Really appreciate the time and uh, love what you do with the top 10 list. Lots of energy. Uh, lots of <laughs> you make it more exciting. Really, you do. I love the way that you lay it out, man. There's nothing like two or three cups of coffee at two in the morning to give you a product. <laughs> Thank you for your sacrifice, Bo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Take care, fellas. You too. There he is, Bo Estes, NBA.com, NBA TV, does the top 10 list on NBA.com. That's the thing, Jimmy. You got to have energy if you're doing oh, a top yeah. 10 list, you know? You can't, can't just be like, number nine, there he is, John Morant. Oh, what a move. It, <laughs> is, it, it is very much all gas, no breaks business there with the top 10 list, no doubt about it. Total. Sure. All gas, no breaks. <laughs> <laughs> is that still the slogan for the Jets? You know, with Robert Sala, that was his official thing when he came in there. Is he still rocking that? That's a great question. I think uh, Aaron Rodgers may have a... He can now. Yeah, if Rodgers gets traded, he's more more than welcome to to rock that. No doubt about it. Yeah. Um, You know, one of the things that we were talking about with uh, guaranteed contracts, I like what you brought up with Larry Bird, and it's tied to that where how awesome is it Larry Bird hasn't played in a long time in the NBA, yet we still commonly referred to Bird rights. Yep. How awesome is that? You know what I mean? Like, that's a lasting legacy. That's going to be around for, I don't know how long. I don't know if it's going to go away. You took the words right out of my mouth. In terms of the impact you can have as a player, and Larry had the individual and the team accolades as well, and he'll always be referenced when you're looking at greatest players of all time, but... It's the equivalent, and I guess it depends on what you care about more, metrics of business or awards, but it's the equivalent of having a major award named after you. It's something that as long as the sport is around, bird rights are going to be in the lexicon of NBA fans. Yeah, it absolutely will be. And look, man, he, he kind of shot you down in a nice way. <laughs> he did. He did. <laughs> with, the, with the NFL guaranteed deals, he's right. The roster sizes are totally different. And I keep going back to I, I'm not rooting for it to be this way. I would like to see players get guaranteed contracts, and I think it's garbage that you can just rip up an agreement if the player is underperforming and it's like, oh, yeah, we uh, we said we'd pay you whatever, $90 million, but we have an out, so rip, rip. <laughs> that doesn't exist anymore. I think it's garbage, so I'm not rooting for this to be the case. But think about the roster sizes and also think about just the utter pushback from team owners after Deshaun Watson signed his mega deal. I don't think that's why Lamar isn't getting his money. It's because Lamar is a declining player, at least the last couple of years, and injury prone. I don't think that's why he's not getting it, but just the the visceral reaction from team owners of like, oh, I don't like this at all. Like, There's no way it's going to become commonplace. The reaction or the idea of guaranteed money? Like the reaction is not going to be commonplace or the, the, the guaranteed money will never no, become commonplace? No, the reaction shows you okay. that okay. it's not going yep. to be commonplace. And I agree with you on Lamar Jackson and the, there's a real rationale for not signing him and it's not collusion. You and I are on the same pace of that. Right. I do think, and the reaction is evident by any press conference any NFL owner has had over this entire free agency process or, or feeling out process for Lamar. They mm-hmm. don't want to pay guaranteed money. They do not want it to be the norm. Like Both things can be true without it being a collusion-like tactic. The issue for me is it might not happen with Lamar, 
Mm-hmm. What happens when Burrow gives pushback totally. to the Bengals? You, what you happens what? when an established player does it? You're reading my mind over here, too, because the team owners have been so loud against this. I wonder how many players, when they have the leverage, when it's a Burrow, when it's a Justin Herbert, when they have the leverage, how many of those guys will say, oh, I need a guaranteed contract right now? Yeah. You know? It's going to become really interesting here in the NFL. The the hot seat is very much going to be on Cincinnati. And maybe not. Maybe Burrow is going to, like, doesn't need the guaranteed money. Like, it, a lot of people point to the Patrick Mahomes deal as, as, as kind of screwing things up for players that want guaranteed money because his isn't entirely guaranteed. I think there's like, somewhere between, I know this is a big gap, but it's like 67 or $75 million guaranteed for that deal. But then Josh Allen kind of did the same thing. He didn't stomp his feet for guaranteed money. The issue with mm-hmm. those two contracts is they were before, whether by accident or on purpose, the market has, in the player's mind, been reset because of what the Browns did. It, they think it has. Whether or not we agree with right. that, they think new precedent has arrived because that's what happens anytime a contract is signed. The issue now is the owners don't like that change in precedent and they want to squash that as quickly as possible. It's easy to win with Lamar. I don't know that it'd be that easy to win with a Burrow or the next generation of superstar. You know what's funny is there have been a couple of contracts signed since Deshaun Watson's contract. And it's almost like it's totally forgotten about. Where if you look at, I have to go back and make sure, but I know too, where Russell Wilson signed his deal after Deshaun. He's an older player. Okay, fine. But think of Kyler Murray. That's probably the best comparison. He's not a former league MVP, and Lamar Jackson is better. But he signed a contract, and it wasn't anywhere near $230 million fully guaranteed. Okay, fully guaranteed. It was not there. And it's like, we're not even referencing that. We didn't talk about collusion and conspiracies and all this stuff when Kyler didn't get a fully guaranteed contract. It's just funny to me how a former number one overall pick who has had some success, a decent amount, again, not a unanimous MVP like Lamar, but that was not a huge, crazy issue at the time at all. Yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do with there's been other drama around Kyler that you often forget that contract was signed. And it's a valid point, but I think the larger issue with fans that want to push back on that or analysts that want to push back on that is I don't know that Kyler, and that happens in sports. I don't think Kyler Murray was worth that deal, but that Mm. happens all the time. Owners feel panicked, like we have to lock down this franchise guy. He's got the goods. Everybody else is signing theirs. I need to go sign mine. And maybe it wasn't at the top of Kyler Murray's mind or his agent's mind. You would hope not. You would hope the NFLPA, like that Larry Bird stat that I I brought up to you, as much as I would like to sit here and be like, I'm a walking encyclopedia of of sports (laughs) knowledge here. That's from an NFLPA post last year after the Watson deal happened, kind of stating their position of we can get guaranteed deals to happen. We just need, like Bo mentioned, a strong union. By the way, super fast. Does Joe Burrow get a fully guaranteed contract? Forget about Lamar for a second. How about Burrow? If he asks for it, yes. He how should. About, how about Justin Herbert? Fully guaranteed. Just call your shot. Whether he asks, we're going crystal ball here. Yes or no? Fully guaranteed. If it, if it was today, no. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be for either guy. I, I really don't because I, I also think the other part of this is like the Cleveland Browns. They were out of the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. They were told, not going there. 
from Deshaun and his inner circle. You're out. You know, pack your freaking bags, Cleveland. And then they made this godfather offer that Deshaun couldn't refuse. That's a different dynamic than Burrow with the Bengals, than Herbert with the Chargers. It's just different. And I I don't see either of those guys getting a fully guaranteed deal. If they completely pushed for it and made things super awkward, backed them into a corner, maybe. I don't see that happening, though. I can see both of those guys saying, you know what, I don't need every single last nickel. We'll see. We'll just see how it uh, how it unfolds. will be interesting, huh? If the PA is legit about it happening, like the NFL yeah. PA, if they want that to happen, you and I are talking about how the roster sizes are so big. And Bo right. is right. You're going to have some players, it's $2 million guaranteed versus $250 million guaranteed. It, There's going to be lines. But it has to start from Burrow. And from Herbert, and yeah. they have to be willing to. That's the whole point of the, of the union. They have to be willing to say, "No, Bengals, I am the best quarterback in the league." He's not; it's Patrick Mahomes. But I'm the best quarterback <laughs> in the league. Uh-huh. I deserve guaranteed money. One of these superstars has to make the stand for it to trickle down for everybody else. Well, that's the interesting thing too, because there's two different perspectives. Where maybe Burrow would say hey, man, I can't leave money on the table because that's going to impact the next guy negotiating his contract. He might look at it like that, or he could look at it and say, there's this guy, the GOAT in Tom Brady, who routinely left money on the table, and it helped him in pursuit of multiple championships. That's what I want to do. I want to win more than get every last nickel. I I don't know which lane he's going to choose, but I know this. The Baseball Players Association would be like, you're getting every last cent over here, okay? (laughs) That's not what the NFLPA has done. Not nearly as successful as baseball. It's a great point. That's where we're at. I'd like to add this in real quick while we're talking about this. Yeah. I think the larger part of the problem with the owners and giving out a long-term contract like that, that is fully guaranteed, is let's say he has like a, a hamstring issue. He goes, oh, I'm going to sit out. I've got all this guaranteed money locked away here. Like, there's no reason for me to go out there and play and risk further injury. So I think that's part of it. And then I do think there are some owners that are willing to pay that guaranteed money. I just don't think they want it to be the norm because of the all the problems that can come with it because they don't want the players to have so much control within a franchise that consists of 53 men on a roster. Well, I hear you, Eddie. And the thing is, I don't think it's just about, hey, uh, we got to pay a fully guaranteed deal. I think it's about flexibility from from the team standpoint, from the ownership standpoint. Meaning, hey, if there's a player that's injured and making all this guaranteed cash, well, then what? Yeah, uh, what, I, what are we going to do about yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, like, you're you're hamstrung. No pun intended. Like salary cap wise, and we know the salary cap's not going away because that's one the secret sauce of the NFL with the parity, and that's also. The not so secret sauce of ownership keeping as much money as they possibly can like that. That's just not going to go away. I I totally agree with you. I was just adding another point to this conversation that I was thinking about that you guys were while you guys were talking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, Eddie, you're always welcome, man. You're always welcome in here. You know, just throw your two cents on in here, baby. You know, (laughs) hey, it makes us two cents richer. That's all that matters. (laughs) That's exactly right. All right. Coming up next, man, we've got some rule changes in the league. And what's also interesting is the rules that were proposed but not changed. We'll dive into that. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's... Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. 
Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Jimmy Cook here on the fan. So got a few rule changes in the NFL and a couple of proposed changes that did not go through here, Jay Cook. And so let's just say uh, Thursday Night Football, couple of tweaks and a couple of things that were left on the shelf over here. So as you've mentioned a couple of times during the show today, teams can play on Thursday night football twice now. Um, There's not going to be flex scheduling. They had proposed that where just like Sunday night football, you can flex like bad matchups out for a better matchup toward the end of the season. They're not doing that as of now. There's talk that they might revisit that in May, and it could go through then. But as of right now, no flex scheduling for Thursday night football. But the change is you can play two games on Thursday. If you actually play on Thanksgiving, like that Thursday night, you could actually play three times on Thursday. But outside of Thanksgiving, you know, it's it's twice where you could be on Thursday night. And not exactly um, a warm welcome. Most notably from your boy, Patrick Mahomes, Chiefs quarterback, just tweeted his reaction, facepalm emoji. (laughs) What do you went with over there? I feel that. Yeah, possibly playing on Thursday night multiple times this season. I mean, like, I... Again, it goes back to a larger point, and we don't have the time in the show to continue to have our debate or conversation about it back and forth of should contracts get guaranteed or should Mm -hmm. they not and maybe the answer will always be well yeah the owners don't have to do a darn thing they're fine they can just sit back kick their feet up why should they pay more and that's fair maybe it's just a human element in me maybe that means I wouldn't run a business the right way but you continue to be like more games more Thursday night games yeah and then players are like do you value me or not I I, I don't know no hey man I completely hear you on that where from a player's perspective, it's like, okay, cool. So we play on a short week multiple times, possibly. Oh, we might be playing yeah. an 18th game soon. Okay, cool. Well, where do we get things sweetened here exactly? <laughs> and they're going to get more money, there's no doubt. But sure. guaranteed money, there's such pushback from, from team ownership on that. Where I get it. I totally understand where you're coming from on that. I'm not saying it shouldn't happen. There's a big difference between they shouldn't get it and they won't get it. Yeah, I'm not saying they shouldn't by saying they won't. Sure. No, I know. I, to be clear, I was trying to paint you as far away from that as possible. I'm not <laughs> trying to say that you don't like value the human element of it. Uh, it. It is. It's a different conversation of will they or should they. I totally agree. There are a couple of things related to Thursday night football changing a bit where a team can play multiple times on Thursday night. I love this quote. This is from Brian Rolap. Okay. His title, get this, very official. NFL executive vice president and chief media and business officer. Okay, Brian Rolap. He says this, quote, We're interested in making sure that we get exposure for all of our clubs. 
We also believe that these national windows are for clubs that are playing well. We want to put the best teams in the best windows, end quote. Like, you can't have it both ways, man. Like, you want to get the best games, great. Don't tell me you want exposure for all of our clubs. That is totally false. No, you don't. You want the best matchups. We could fix it, and he wouldn't be talking out of both sides of his mouth. All you have to do is change that statement to, we want to highlight all the clubs. I mean, as long as they're good, we're not going to put bad teams (laughs) on there. What, what, are we crazy? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so it's not our fault that they stink, right? We want to showcase them, but they stink, so we don't want to do that. Um, This is also from New York. York Giants team owner John Mara he said he called the idea abusive is what he's talking about here with Thursday night flex scheduling that was proposed and so he said at some point can we please give some consideration to the people who are coming to our games people make plans to go to these games weeks and months in advance and 15 days ahead of time to say sorry folks that game you were planning on taking your cut your kids to Sunday at 1. Now it's on Thursday night. What are we talking about? Or what are we thinking about is what he said. That's John Mara from the Giants. And there's some truth to that also where I don't know how how far in advance you've made plans. Like what's the furthest in advance you've made plans to attend a game, Jimmy? I mean, if you're going to an opening day or the, you look, the second the schedule comes out, like in May, if there's a game I really want to go to, you know, I uh, circle it and, that, and I'm trying to buy those tickets as quick as I can if you're trying to get best value. Yeah. Um, I mean, secondary market's variable, so it's easy to buy them that way. But that's a fair point. I mean, whether you want to look at the players, you want to look at the consumer, if you, particularly if you bring in flex scheduling, like that can be very tough. All it is is 15 days. Like there's a lot of families that already have tickets purchased for a marquee game or two or season ticket holders are impacted. Like maybe they can't go now because it's on a Thursday. Or what if you're somebody who's from like out of town, like say you're from Indiana and you want to go down to Florida for the weekend. And now sure. that Colts Jaguars game for some reason yeah. was flexed from Sunday to Thursday. Yeah. yeah. I know a lot of people do that. I, I'm more so of a late bloomer. Like I, I just don't want to pay a lot and some big-name player get hurt and he's not playing or whatever. So I go more so last minute or week of, but I know a lot of people plan in advance, so that's absolutely something to consider. How bent would you be if you had hotel, you know, tickets to the game, and you're planning to fly in on, say, a Saturday or a Friday for this Sunday game, and it's flexed to Thursday? You'd be like, what is going on over here? Yeah, not only do you have to change all of your travel plans but now all of a sudden you're having to take off a day or two of work depending on how you're getting there maybe you're driving and it's not a one day off thing it's a two day off plan that should have just been on a weekend where you would have been fine on all counts it's it's tough for the consumer that's a fair point yeah we do have the number zero thank god it's gone through you're you're a big zero fan uh this this is one of those things where i why was it illegal to begin with it doesn't like yay i'm happy great (laughs) like i you know what well you know what i call that What do you call it? The Tyrese Halliburton effect. There you go. Ah, (laughs) okay. I like it. Okay. Are we going to get double zero Uh, in the NBA? That'd be the Benedict Matherin effect. Yeah. We get the Matherin effect there. We will have Jags receiver Calvin Ridley. He will wear number zero this season. We'll see who else uh, joins the party. How about this? I found this interesting. Also, kickers and punters. They'll be able to use any jersey number between zero and 49, as well as 90 and 99. Can you see a punter rocking number 99 out there? Maybe they're big Aaron Judge fan. I don't know. (laughs) Big Warren Sapp fans (laughs) over there, yeah. Um, And I love this, too. So 
the Eagles, they initially proposed adding tenths of a second to the game clock in the final 30 seconds of each half, right? So you would have the tenth of the second there. <laughs> they, they pulled that proposal right before it was going to be voted on. But I love this. Nick Sirianni, does this not sound like a Nick Sirianni idea, the, the Eagles head coach, uh, and obviously the, the Colts' former OC? I love this. Listen to this quote from Nick Sirianni. He said, we want all the information available as coaches to be able to make decisions on how we call plays at the end of the game. There are so many different styles of plays where you think to yourself, well, if it's 5.1, I can run this. If it's 5.9, I might be able to do that and vice versa. We spend hours and hours and countless days on trying to figure out what the right time frame is, and that's why we did it. It's hard to use the word vintage when you've only been an NFL coach for about three years. It's also hard to use quintessential as well, but both those would be fair to say, yes, that's absolutely a Sirianni quote. 1,000%. That is detailed to the nth degree right there. I was thinking about calling uh, this one play 5.1, but actually 5.9, so we can stretch this thing on out here. What? (laughs) That's big Sirianni right there. I mean, I... Like they maybe would have gotten an extra Hail Mary opportunity out of that in the end of the, end of the Super Bowl, perhaps. Who, who's to so say? It's been tabled for a future vote. So they're going <laughs> to do a little bit more research on this. They're going to do like a, a, a technical and logistical study. Like technically, how big of a difference does this make? Logistically, I'm guessing you got to change the, the, the clocks in the stadiums to allow a little bit more room for tenths of the second if you're going to throw that in there, right? Can, can we get to the rule that I'm really mad about and really frustrated with that did not make the cut? I don't know if is that it was in your not list. You know what it roughing is. The you passer? know what it is. Is yes, that it? It is. I'm with you on this. I would love for it to be reviewable. And and the, the reason I guess I get why they won't or they don't want to is because maybe they view it as the same as the experiment of making – pass interference reviewable because they did that. And again, I thought that was a good idea. The problem was we forgot about much like a player's union. The officials aren't going to go against what they called because it makes them look incompetent. Like most of those reviews were at, it's a judgment call. Still, we can't, we don't see enough to overturn it. I feel like that would be the same thing that happened with roughing the passer. The only way a rule like that or adoption like that would ever work is if you have an understanding with the officials of, hey, you're not going to lose your job over this, but right. we need to be able to coach you up on what the actual definition of the rule is. Well, I think it differs. I would actually compare it to the NBA. When they go to review, when there's a challenge, they change stuff all they the do. time. They do, yes. They really do. And I think that pass interference, unless it was something blatant and obvious, they really weren't going to overturn anything. I think it can be that way in the NFL because specifically it's body weight. Right, It's these body weight penalties where if you see it in live action, you might think that the defensive tackle landed on the quarterback with his full body weight. You look at one review, and you can tell that's not the case. I think it's easier to decipher what was a blatant miss or not if you go to replay for roughing the passer. And I would hope so, too, because to that point, Brian, yeah, we're watching at home. We can see. The announcing crew can see by the third or fourth replay. He did everything in his power to remove all body weight. Like what what else do you want him to do? Right. My my only has it's not even hesitancy. 
I just want the guarantee that the officials are like, yeah, you know what? It's okay if you have to change a call. Yeah. There's no penalty there. Like we we learn from it. We better understand the rule. We move on. I really want a sky judge where that yeah. person would be in charge of changing things or keeping it the same. That's what I really want. By the way, how about this? According to NFLpenalties.com, there were 93 roughing the passer calls last season. It was actually the lowest since 2016. <laughs> it's kind of wow. funny because there's so much talk and focus on it, but it was actually lower than the previous handful of years. I, I am, you know, bent also because I had a sack bet with your boy Chris Jones of the Chiefs on Derek Carr. I forget what it was like, plus 245 yeah, yes, or something. That is the call that's making my blood boil. I'm yeah. familiar. Yeah. Did you have the same thing? No, uh, I, I didn't. But as oh. a fan, the Chiefs were playing, you know, very yeah. bad in that game. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like, they finally are about to get a stop, and it's a roughing the passer. Oh, it was brutal. Oh, it, was it was like two and a half to one. Chris Jones sacks Derek Carr. I'm like, all right, we're in the money. Yay, 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 is how I normally celebrate. <laughs> and uh, they, they called body weight roughing the passer terrible. Yeah. No cash for me. Brutal. Okay, I got a cheating fisherman story for you around the corner, Jay Cook. I think you'll enjoy it. And Jimmy's got some picks for us. We'll see if Eddie's got some picks for us also. He has been a burned man from the hook on Monday night. We'll see how that unfolds. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. So we got some cheating fishermen, Jimmy, that uh, they've, uh, they've pled guilty over here. So I'm taking you over to... A fishing tournament. This was in September of 2022. This was in Cleveland. Okay? And so they're weighing these fish, and the fish weigh a lot more than they should. So uh, they they investigated the fish, and all these weights started falling out. <laughs> falling I out remember this story. Fish. Yep, yep. <laughs> so this, uh, this pair, Jacob Runyon and Chase Kaminsky, okay? They've pled guilty... Uh, to charges of cheating and unlawful ownership of wild animals. Now, I like this because there was a red flag. Normally, the the guys that or women that catch their fish in these tournaments, they donate the fish to local food banks. And these two guys didn't, right? Red flag city. What's going on here? Let's investigate a little bit more. Then they found the weights that are just falling (laughs) falling out of the fish. So they weighed heavier and they could win more cash. So, um... They pled guilty to one count of, get this, cheating, a felony, and one count of unlawful ownership of wild animals, which is a misdemeanor. So they get charged with a felony and a misdemeanor. They forfeited the boat that they used in the competition. They'll be sentenced on May 11th right there, Jimmy. So my favorite quote of the whole thing. This is from prosecutor Michael C. O'Malley. (laughs) He said, this plea is the first step in teaching these crooks two basic life lessons. Thou shall not steal, and crime does not pay. That That's on his bumper sticker. You know it. Man, you know that it. could not be more from the handbook <laughs> of being a prosecutor right there. I thought but. he was going to go like a good pun route. Oh, their, their ship is now sunk. I thought it was going to be something like just a little, little funny nugget to close like prosecutors sometimes do. But no, you I know, like the firm hand better. It's nice. It made me think before your picks in a second here, Jimmy. It made me think of Notre Dame football games. And they used to do this, I forget, like around the third quarter or something. It was a tradition they had for years and years and years. They had an officer, and he would get on the PA system, and he would remind people not to drive drunk. And then he would have a funny tagline. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Yep. 
Yes, oh, it was tremendous. I have to go back and find out who that guy is, like what his name was and all of that. But we got picks to make. Let's do it. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a athlete. This is my way. This is how I win. We're in the money. Aye, 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 aye. <laughs> Today's Plays <laughs> of the Day. <laughs> We're taking the Memphis Grizzlies to one of the money line over the L.A. Clippers. That's a pick at minus 110. Hold on, what is it? What's the pick? Grizzlies over Clippers minus Grizz. 110. Is Ja back? Because he didn't play last night. I don't know if Ja Morant's going tonight, is he? I, I'm, I'm betting that. I think he will be. Un- okay. Underneath the belief that he is. But even if he doesn't, if it's still a pick them all, I'm going to ride with the Grizzlies good over the Clippers. And then like laying that. two and a half for the Lakers on the road against the Bulls as L.A. continues to try to make a push to lock in their playing spot. The Bulls been good on the road as of late. How about uh, LeBron against Pat Bev again, where Pat Bev was doing the too short gesture? Must see TV. <laughs> Eddie, you got anything? I do. I have two plays for you. I'm taking Aaron Neesmith under 11.5 tonight against the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, and then DeAndre Ayton under 15.5 as the Suns return with Kevin Durant against the Timberwolves. Oh, yeah. Very much looking forward to that. By the way, keep your eye on MLB. Opening day is tomorrow. One of my guys, he loves John Birdie. He's the Marlins second baseman. He likes him to lead the league in stolen bases again. He did it last year. He's 11-1. to 1. So if you want a season bet, maybe look at old John Birdie to lead the league in steals. JMV coming up next. We'll catch you later. Have a good one. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.